It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Quartz Gold, Imro award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Quartz 96 FM. It's all right, your grand, I'm here. Good morning. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. I have no idea what happened, but I just apologize for it. Good morning. 1850-715-996. The number, the text or WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Well, we're staying in level five until March five, is what they tell us now. That, of course, is in line with the north. Does that give us some promise that we might be able to stop all this old guff, all this old stuff and nonsense about the border, the border, but, 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 the border, the border, and actually do something about keeping these variants and all this stuff out of our country? Uh, I look at the new restrictions in a wee while. You can now be fined for going on your holidays. So if you had planned, and look, you still can, there's nothing to stop you legally from going off to Spain for a week, for your winter week, or heading off to the Canaries, as a lot of people do for their winter week around this time of the year. There's nothing to stop you when the kids are off school, you know, buy a few tickets, get off out. Nothing to stop you, but you might be fined when you come back, and you might be quite heavily fined when you come back. And also, um, you'll be tracked now. People are being tracked now to find out just, just how far outside of our restricted areas we're going. And a lot of us are going a good distance outside our restricted areas. We're not being good puppies. And if you're not being a good puppy, you're going to get punished. It's going to get tougher. Um, and rightly so, say all of us. That's to come. That's to come. We'll deal with that. And I mean, mind your man down in Kinsale. Did you, uh, that, the, the fellas who wanted to rent houses, rent a house in Kinsale, two car loads of them, renting a house in Kinsale and wanting to fill up the car with a load of beer. And they thought they'd get away with it. Or that fella down, your man down in East Cork, that, that, that shit, down in East Cork, who was told, no, you have to go back. So what's he do? He sneaks off to another beach. Honest to God, these people should not be let out on their own, let alone outside their 5K. 1850 So lots to talk about this morning. But some of the saddest stories that you have we have heard about COVID since it all started is the people who normally are surrounded by support and love and kindness at a crucial time in their lives when they need support and love and kindness but they can't have it 
because it's all gone to one-to-one, it's all gone to Zoom. You can't even have a hug. You can't even have someone take your hand when you are upset. And when might you be more upset than when you're trying to deal with cancer? And uh, Linda Goggin-James joins me from the Cork Cancer Care Centre, of course, set up by the late and wonderful Anne Daly Spillane. Linda, good morning to you. Good morning. It's been a while since I was in the wonderful centre in there. I think, God rest her, Anne was still around. She showed me around it one time. Um, I know what you do in there, and you haven't been able to do it now for months and months and months. Not properly, anyway. Well, not properly. We're still um, running a full service in the sense of our counselling and psychotherapy is still ongoing inside the centre. So the centre door is never closed. It's just that we're not having what we would call our normal meetups, um, where people can come in and sit down and talk to each other while they go through what they're going through with cancer. Um, so that's sad mm. in that way. But thank God all our counsellors are still working. Harder mm. than ever, to be honest. Yeah. Um, our calls have gone away up. So our appointments for counselling and psychotherapy are... Um, constant and every day, sadly. But it look we'll have to work our way, our best way through it at the moment, and that is supporting them any way that we can, either through face to face counselling or Zoom or on the phone. That's the way we have to work at the moment. Uh, remind listeners of the services that you provide. Uh, our services are quite large. We, on a normal before this pandemic came, we would have had. A huge amount of holistic therapies like Reiki. We also did lymphatic drainage for people who had breast cancer. We also have a wig bank, which is the only one in Ireland. Yes. So in that way, what we do is we have Gina, who heads it for us. And this is where people can come in. We shave the head. We also supply a free wig, most cases two wigs, um, and also all the headgear that goes with it. Because people don't realise going through cancer, not alone are you dealing with the illness, but you're also dealing with financial. Yeah. You know, the financial burden of cancer. So this is all free to them. We also do our meditation and our yoga. We had classes outside to build up confidence. So we had lady ladies pole dancing mm. <laughs> so that they would build up their confidence yeah. again. So there's always something going on. So the centre was always active. There was always a buzz in the centre. Yeah. And for me, that's sad because, um, you, you know, Anne, you were, you were in many times and speaking to Anne many times. Yeah. We're used to having this noise inside the centre of voices and laughter. And at the moment, sadly, it's just one-on-one with our counsellors. Mm. So about maybe two years ago, we set up a group um, called the Cancer Warrior Group, and we set up a WhatsApp, and now it's becoming our saving grace. So what it was was that when people came on board, we introduced, we buddied up women just starting on cancer, and women who'd come out the other side. Mm. So what we said, why don't we start a WhatsApp group? And what you can do is ask each other questions, things that, you know, there's no silly question, anything that would help you. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, we have 52 people on it. So this has saved them throughout the pandemic. They're able to speak to each other every day. They're able to buzz. They're talking about their lives, what they're going to do through and their fears. 
So yeah. they're still able to talk to each other. They just can't see or talk yeah. to each other. It's it's not the same, but, but it helps. Talk to me, though, about the laughter. And you mentioned, God rest her, Anne. And I remember <laughs> being, being in there with her and asking her this question. Uh, for For people going through the kind of terrible experiences that they're having as they try to deal with cancer, the amount of laughter and fun and crack in that building. Yeah. And that's, so it, you must miss that desperately, Linda. Oh, terrible. Um, it's just the silence I find, you know, I the door goes, I buzz the person in, they come up the stairs and we say, hi, how are you? But it's so hard not to reach across and hug them because that's what we had always done. I'm there six years and it's something we've always done automatically. How are you doing? How are you coping? How's the family going? Um, so that's very hard. And as you know, laughter is the best medicine. Yeah. So it really is. You feel so much better after, you know, had a good belly laugh, as they yeah. would say. Um, so that's that, that part is hard. Um, and I think very much on the people who attend the centre, it's hard because I get phone calls saying, Linda, I miss the building so much. Yeah. Um, they call it their haven. Yeah. They come in and they feel so at home. Uh, so that that is miss that is miss and I think you know to be honest PJ everybody's affected by this yeah. everybody man woman child young adult everybody's affected but when you're going through cancer you feel very isolated very very isolated vulnerable I and, think is probably yeah, and vulnerable yeah. Yeah. and that kind of coming in and sitting and chatting to each other was a huge way towards their healing and the sense so, that I'm not on my own that, you know, you, sometimes yeah. with people, I think, and this has come up repeatedly, Linda, through our Radiothon work over the years. Sometimes when a person gets a cancer diagnosis, and I'm sure many of them have, have had a diagnosis, many people, during this pandemic. One of the things that goes through your mind is, for some reason, you convince yourself you're the first and only person this has ever happened to. And it takes somewhere like that centre or someone like yourself to say, actually, no, you're not. No, Come you're in. Not. You're one yeah. of us now. You're one of us, and, and we work, we are a group here. And the value of that for people cannot be overestimated. Definitely, definitely. I mean, we had three new ambassadors this year. Um, I don't know if you saw the video we had out. So they're all under 40 with small children. And they said to them was one girl explained it very well, Mandy. And she said when they told her, she kept thinking in the back of her head was, oh, they got me wrong. They got, you know, they, the results are wrong. They're just after mixing me up with someone else and they'll go out and tell the other person. So, but she was saying it's just so unrealistic when you hear it. You can't absorb it. It's always somebody else. It's never going to be you. So they need to speak to people. You know, our phone, my phone is hopping all the time, even at weekends. People just feeling in shock. And I think what's going on is, is it safe for me to go and get my treatment? Am I okay in the hospitals? Are they going to do my treatment? Mm. They're, all the questions that are going through their head are, if they're taking certain drug, you know, how is it going to work with the vaccine? So they're all very, as we would say, very kind of natural questions that are going to come to your mind. Yeah. And um, people are scared. 
the, the fear, they I are. think, is what people have talked to me about many, many times. This, this all-embracing fear. It is, because, I mean, when you're listening to it every day on the radio and you're hearing, you know, 36 people died or 49 people died, it just it feels so unreal to us. And then the fear factor gets higher. You know, I, as I said, I get phone calls, Linda, I'm going in next Tuesday, am I going to be okay? And luckily I have, we have a good relationship with the hospitals because of the Blankets of Hope. Mm. So the nurses are fantastic. They're like, Linda, everything's fine here. They're fine on this section of the hospital. They're okay. Um, so it, it's good to hear this. And it's good to hear that they are going ahead with treatments that they're doing their very, very best to keep everything flowing as fast as they can and as smoothly as they can while we go through this. Mm. If anybody wants to help the centre, talk me briefly, first of all, about the the, the blankets, because that's been a massive campaign for you. But then how can people help the centre? Well, we're not HSC funded and we're not government funded, PJ. So the centre is there because of the people of Cork. So we are funded by people who would have come in and used the services and then afterwards went, I want to make sure that you're still there for the next person to help. And they do fundraisers or they do coffee mornings. We're not in any big corporate or campaign because we're a small little charity. But at the same time, we're dealing with maybe 35, 36 people a week with counselling. That's only our counselling section. So we're affecting that many families each week. So we need a support to keep the centre open. Um, it's vital that the centre is kept warm, it's kept comfortable, it's kept clean, and we keep up to date with everything. And we are, we're fully up to date with the COVID restrictions that are out there. So any support that we get, we're very, very grateful for. Okay. Um, the blankets you were asking me about, the blankets came out in 2014. Yeah. Something Anne started when people were coming in saying they felt cold, you know, when they're going through treatment, they felt cold mm. the whole time. So Anne said, ah, sure. You know how Anne was. Can somebody knit or crochet here in the room? <laughs> and when somebody starts knitting a blanket and we can give them a blanket and tell them, look, somebody's thinking about you. So, as sad days we lost Anne in 2017. We kind of started pushing the campaign more because we found as well as that, we had three meetups a week in the centre. It was also a place for somebody to go and meet people and sit and chat. So at the moment, uh, two days before Christmas Eve, we hit the 25,000, which is unbelievable. Uh, 25,000 blankets? 25,000 blankets have gone out since the the 23rd. Phenomenal. It is. So we post on average maybe about 15 blankets across Europe a week because we've been found on Facebook and through websites. We deliver to the hospitals. We deliver to St. James in Dublin. We deliver to Ronald McDonald. We deliver in Galway and Kerry. Anywhere where they reach out and the hospital say, can you deliver? Um, So we do at Christmas, we try and support other charities. So we did a, this year we did a lot of care homes because we felt people were there and they felt alone and on their own. So our volunteers were absolutely amazing. They made beautiful lap blankets and shows to go into the care centres. And we also do children's units. So we made little teddies and blankets, anything for a comfort for the children. 
Listen, I'm going to leave you there because then I need to go to uh, another topic of conversation. But Linda, I, I wish you well with the uh, continuing work. It's Thank so you. sad that people can't go in there. If anybody wants to support you in any way, website, Facebook, where? Website or Facebook, we're there. Our website, they can look in. And the website and is? So that people know as well, PJ, they can call if they need to speak to someone. Sure. And they can come in if they call and make an appointment. There is somebody You're there, you just open. need to make Oh, them. yes, we're there the whole time. And the website is, Linda? The website is www.corkcancercarecentre.ie. I wonder, lastly, what would herself think of all this fuss? Um, she would just say, keep the doors open. Make sure people know we're still there. Make sure they still can talk to people. You know, very much so. Linda, we'll chat again. Thanks very much. That's Linda Goggin, James, from the Cork Cancer Care Centre. Amazing thing, three years ago, it'll be three years that... uh, that Anne Delish plan's gone from us um, this year. Right, the Cabinet is meeting today. The committee met for most of yesterday. And last night, uh, Leo Varadkar, who everyone seems to keep calling him the Taoiseach. <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting beyond funny at this stage. Announced, or pretty much told us what's going to happen in that level five, which we're in right now, stays in effect until at least the 5th of March. And there are extra measures to come on top of that. Now, the newspapers are full of different articles this morning on what different measures are coming, what extra measures are coming. Let us catch up with Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun. Adam, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having us on. Delighted. Adam, um, it's Level 5 and tightening up on elements of Level 5. What What elements? That's right. So the, the, the main changes uh, from the current level five restrictions that all your listeners will be well uh, familiar with is that the government are trying to get tougher on travel this time around. So first of all, they're, they're pretty much banning all travel from Brazil and South Africa into Ireland because of the new variants that we've seen reported over in, in those countries. And they, those variants, the experts believe they might spread quicker and they could be responsible for further deaths. So looking to really stop travel from there. So in order to do that, they are putting a mandatory quarantine on any people who arrive from those countries into Ireland. So they'll be sent to uh, a hotel that will be designated by the state and they will be asked to stay there for five days if they get two negative tests or if they get a positive test, then they'll stay for the full 14 days. Now, that's a similar measure has been put in place for people who arrive in Ireland without a negative PCR COVID test. So from anywhere? Moment, from anywhere, yeah. So at the moment, if you were in the US or you were in the UK or somewhere in Europe and you flew into Ireland, you have to have proof that you had a negative PCR test three days before you got on the plane. And if you get into, the, if you have that test, then off you go and you get into Ireland, no problem. But if you don't, then you will be forced to quarantine in one of these designated hotels, and that will be the, a similar situation: five day quarantine with two tests, or if you test positive, fourteen day quarantine. So that's one of the big travel measures. The second one that I think will be the one that will really affect your listeners, because I mean nobody is traveling really at the moment. But if you consider traveling. On it for a holiday, say, and not Yeah, my, my reading of it this morning in, in your paper and others, Adam, and I'm going to put it down into simple English. My understanding of it this morning is that if you decide with the kids off school and all of that, 
if you decide to head off to Gran Canaria for a week, you can find yourself heavily fined on return. That is exactly what the government are looking to introduce. So for the next few weeks, you'll see really heavy presence of Cardi outside airports and the seaports. And if you are returning from holiday from somewhere like Spain or Portugal for non-essential reason, you'll be hit for a fine. Now, the exact number of that fine is um, hasn't yet been revealed. It's something that we might see later on today after the cabinet meet. But I was told last night that the current fine for non-essential travel is €100 Euro and that this fine for holiday makers will be significantly more than that. Wow. Now, on the fines for breaching 5K, uh, the guards have handed out a couple of thousand fines at this stage. Am I reading somewhere that that's going to be even more rigidly enforced and they may increase the fine? Yes. Well, I haven't seen that they're going to increase the fine, but yes, the guardie will be really out in force to try and there'll be more checkpoints. It's a high visual guard of presence is what we were told you'd see on the, uh, the roads in order to keep people within their five kilometres. So that's something that we're going to see over the next few weeks as the government really wants to try stop the movement of the virus around the country because at the moment the health experts told us last night that there is really good science that it is starting to come down rapidly. There's mm. a rapid increase, a decrease in the in the cases around the country and they really want to hammer that home so the government in order to get the, the schools open quicker is, is the argument. Now we know Adam that um, Michal Martin and Arlene Foster had a, a telephone conversation or a Zoom meeting I don't know what it was yesterday uh, because we really do need they're all telling us, all the experts are telling us we really do need to cooperate with the North to get us properly through this uh, and we saw some, we saw Ian Paisley being basically Ian Paisley last night on, on one of the television programmes. But Michal and Arlene were in touch with one another. Now, things are a bit frosty between North and South at the moment, aren't they? They are, yes. So that, that was, there was some, uh, as far as I understand, some uh, difficult exchanges between the Taoiseach and the First Minister yesterday on that phone call. They, um, the Taoiseach had said in an interview recently that he didn't, believe that Northern Ireland were testing for the UK variant that we know has become the dominant strain here in, in the Republic. And the Minister Foster was kind of keen to point out to the Taoiseach that they have been doing that genome sequencing to find that virus. And she also really put the pressure on the Taoiseach to give the Northern Ireland authorities the Republic's uh, passenger locator forms. So mm. these are the forms that if you flew into Ireland from the UK, you would tell them where you're going and why you're going and that sort of thing. And there's the Northern Ireland authorities are concerned about what's been called the Dublin Dodge, where you would fly into Dublin in order to go to Belfast to avoid uh, checks and that sort of thing. So that those, piece, that those passenger locator forms are kind of a hot topic. And uh, from Northern Ireland's perspective, Minister Foster said yesterday that she believed Taoiseach gave a commitment to sharing that information. The, the government here have said that because of GDPR issues, there's legal reasons we can't share it. So that's something that we might see a bit more light on today. And you're right, when it comes to cooperation with Northern Ireland, when for this sort of difficult travel restrictions, that's something that's going to be key here because we know that there's tensions and trouble around the border. And will they put checks on the border in order to stop COVID going across or what will happen that'll be one to watch today Alright, Adam, we'll leave it there for now thanks very much, Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun Uh, the new restrictions covered in incredible detail in all of your newspapers this morning now, last night 
having looked at the new restrictions and read briefly through them, uh, Dr. Gabriel Scali, who you will have heard on this programme, was speaking on the, uh, big, the what should we call it, the Virgin Media Tonight Show. I keep calling it the Vincent Brown Show. <laughs> long since gone. From the, anyway, uh, Dr. Scally was speaking on that programme last night and to be fair, I don't think he thinks much of what these what was entailed in these plans. People can come from everywhere in the world and change aeroplanes all around the world and how do you know where they originated from? How do you know that? Uh, it's very easy to get around these things. So I, I don't believe that's sensible. The one PCR test prior to departure from uh, the originating country, that will pick up some cases, but it could miss as many as 40% of the cases. So I, I don't, that, I mean, that's a tissue paper solution. It's not what we need at all. We need a proper managed isolation for everyone who's coming onto the island. And that's the only way, the only way we can be sure of keeping the variants out. Dr. Scali will join us on the opinion line after the 10 o'clock news. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then get the must-have app. So you can take us everywhere. Download the Cork's 96FM app today. And listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts. And get all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, speaker. ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Play Cork's 96FM. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker, and radio. Turn up the volume. We are Cork's 96FM. Dr. Scali said in that interview last night on Virgin Media, he said that what they plan with regard to the border and with regard to quarantine and with regard to airports and stuff like that is a bit like trying to bail out a leaky boat with a sieve. So I talked to him after 10 o'clock with regard... And of course, the civil libertarians are now hopping up and down. They've wet their pants at the thought of people being taken to two hotels. They were on this morning on one of the early morning programmes going on hope these places now will be of a high standard. Hope these places now will be well looked after. Hope we got some of the best hotels in the world, you idiots. Calm down. Calm down and find something to worry about. Jesus. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Now last night um Cork South West TD Christopher O'Sullivan was tweeting about New Zealand and I think the more we see of New Zealand and the more we hear about New Zealand and Australia, the more we want to try to get there and try to do what they're doing because the pictures out of New Zealand would make you cry. They're going to matches. They're going to concerts. They're having their holidays. They're able to go out normally into the pub, into the restaurant. They're able to be with their families for birthdays. Because they worked really hard at the start of all of this. Same with the Aussies. And the Aussies don't care about changing the rules in the middle of the night. You heard Debbie yesterday telling us about how the rules changed while a flight was in the air between South Australia and Western Australia. And when the plane landed, the pilot says, sorry, boys and girls, you're all now going into quarantine for two weeks. The rules have changed while we were in the air. That's the kind of stuff that we need to do. The rewards are massive. Christopher, you were tweeting about New Zealand last night. We really need to do whatever we can 
to get there, don't we? Good morning to you. Oh, he's gone off the line there, Terry. We'll try and get him back. He's difficulty with his line, but we'll see what we can do. That's what he was saying. His tweets were along the lines of, I'm seeing lots of images and videos of people in New Zealand enjoying concerts and social gatherings and experiencing a fair deal of normality. The 14-day mandatory quarantine has worked there and in Australia. Of course we should be doing the very same. It's complicated because of the border. Uh, but we need to give it serious consideration. And a buddy of mine who's currently in Thailand, yes, on a very important trip, uh, very personally important to him. I'm obviously not going to go through the detail, but he did tell me what it's about. He's a businessman. He's in Thailand at the moment. He's probably listening to the show. You know who you are, sir. Sent me a video last evening from their hotel balcony. Um, they can They couldn't leave the room for six days until they had a test himself and his wife. They had a test, the test came back negative. Now they may walk for an hour around the complex, which is deserted, but they must leave the complex. And they're there until day 15. And the only thing they have up on the balcony, uh, looking out over the beautiful holiday complex, is an exercise bike. And that's it. And that's the only way, the only way they could get into the country to do the important business that they must do. Let's try Christopher O'Sullivan again. Christopher, good morning to you. Hi, PJ Hortings. Apologies about that. Not at all, not at all. These things happen. Now, you were tweeting last night about New Zealand. I think the more we see about New Zealand and the more we hear about New Zealand and Australia, the more we want to at least try to get there. And that seems to be the thing. We're, we're hearing, oh, New Zealand is different. It's comparing apples and oranges. But we need to try at least, don't we? Yeah, and I think that's where the inspiration for my tweet came from, really, PJ. Um I'm having it rubbed in my face regularly by my sister, who lives in New Zealand. She, um, my sister, moved back to New Zealand in September with her family. Um, sad occasion, of course, for us as a family, but um, she's moved back there, and that's where that's where her life is now. Um, and uh, since then, we've been treated to nothing but um, scenes of social gatherings, barbecues, uh, and even recently, she attended a concert, which um, by looks of it looked absolutely uh, like a concert that we would expect to have here in non-COVID times. So um, it's the the um, experience of freedom, of, of liberty, of, of uh, normality mm. uh, that my sister speaks to me about in New Zealand really is something that I envy and something that I really think that we should um, strive to achieve here. And when, and when she went to go back, Christopher, in September, yeah. describe for me the process. It's difficult, isn't it? Very difficult. It wasn't nice. Um, uh, my sister, her husband and uh, her three kids uh, were all confined to uh, a hotel room. Um, you know, absolutely very uh, good standard hotel, no complaints there. But obviously it's the it's the uh, 14 days. And confined is confined like, isn't it? It's Absolutely it's confined. And in, and uh, Emer sneakily, I suppose, um, maybe she shouldn't have, would have sent us a few images and clips of the experience there. Uh, and one was that the parking lot outside the hotel uh, was converted into um, an exercise area. Uh, and of course, only a few people were allowed exercise at the time. And it was very interesting. One of the clips she sent on was just a few individuals walking around with their heads down, stuck in their phones. Uh, and, uh, you know, it reminded all sorts of connotations were coming to mind. But um, at the same time, it, it was tough, you know. But, I mean, we have people going through that experience every day, I suppose, in Ireland uh, in, um, you know, similar, uh, I suppose, setups in direct provision centres here. So I think it's uh, the bottom line 
here is that it's a very small price to pay for the liberty, the freedom, and the sense of normality that uh, my sister and her family now experience in New Zealand. So, you know, seeing that and speaking to my sister on a daily basis and finding out about her experiences, um, it just really, it, it makes me strongly and firmly believe that that's something that we should be striving for here in Ireland as well. Now, the argument uh, that is made constantly against it, Christopher, is that you can't do it because of our different nature, principally two jurisdictions on the one island, but our constant need for freight and supply chain to be open. So you can't do it. But you don't accept that. Um, listen, it's not something that I dismiss, like as in, oh, that's that's a, 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 a dismiss that argument just as if it's no basis, because I guess in your opening statement there, you said it is apples and oranges. No, it's not quite apples and oranges, but New Zealand, for example, certainly um, is a lot more remote and they do have full autonomy um, over their borders. So, yeah, that, that's an understandable argument in that it, it's much easier to do on uh, a nation that's made up of two islands, uh, which is essentially a three-hour flight away from a next nearest neighbour. Um, here we have a different situation. We have a border uh, on the island, and we also have um, huge connectivity with our nearest neighbours, UK, and very important that connectivity, and also connectivity uh, with Europe. Okay, But I think if you listen to um, Dr. Tomás Rain, who, um, and I'm sure you did listen to him, he was on, on, uh, with Claire Byrne last night. A regular actually, guest on this show. Absolutely, and I must say uh, the eloquence and the uh, intelligence with which he put across his argument for um, advocating for um, uh, 14-day mandatory quarantine was excellent. And he, he pretty much tore up before it's even printed to Christopher the plan that's going before Cabinet today. So you're a member of government as a, as a Fianna Fáil TD. Are you saying that what's going before Cabinet today doesn't go far enough? I don't think it goes far enough. And listen, I don't think I'm the first ever government backbencher to form an opinion that might be uh, at odds with the cabinet opinion and that happens all the time and certainly uh, you know um, maybe it's not uh, my style uh, but certainly I think when when I have an opinion on something and I feel strongly about something I think I have to express that opinion um, and yes it is at odds with what the cabinets will, will be announcing it's, it's at odds with what Tonshta, um spoke about last night on uh, Claire Byrne but um, I, you know Going back to the difficulties of achieving this, okay, I think it was probably underlined as well by uh, the debate that you saw between um, Sinn Féin's Matt Carthy and um, Ian Paisley Jr. Uh, oh, that, well, that was, that that was just an undignified shouting match. Ridiculous. It was a shouting match, and, and that needs to stop. That, that needs to stop straight away. I will say this, you know, there's been accusations made that there hasn't been efforts made to cooperate with the North uh, in terms of um, a, a commonality of approach. But I do know that the Taoiseach is in regular contact with Northern Ireland's First Minister, and I must give him credit for that. Well, there's supposed to be a memorandum of understanding there since about last April. There is, and, and look, we've seen um, definitely a divergence from that on several occasions when the North jurisdiction and the jurisdiction down here have taken different approaches. But I'll say this as well about the Taoiseach. If he, the Taoiseach has many strengths, and one of them is that I do believe he's a diplomat. So I think if anybody can bring all the parties around the table together. I think he, he certainly has the ability to do it. You've seen, and, and we've seen quite clearly, the tension that's there, uh, the um, political differences, and it would be such a great shame if there's an opportunity for this island and the entire island to achieve uh, zero COVID. 
or to get the numbers right down and to bring the, the island as a whole back to some sort of normality a la New Zealand and like what they've done there, it's going to take a bit of political persuasion and mm. cooperation. And, it, and, and in the end of the day, it's not like, you know, there'll be accusations of trying to shoehorn in a united Ireland or uh, trying to separate the north off from, yeah. from, from uh, L- London. That's it. it would be for such a short period and, and it would be a short-term pain for long-term gain. Christopher, and, and do, do you by any, sta- any chance, and forgive me, I don't know the full lineup. sit on this special committee that they set the, up for dealing with COVID? The, uh, the, the Oireachtas Oireachtas committee. committee? Yeah. The, the Cabinet Soul Committee, so I know that it's... No, uh, no, no, the Oireachtas uh, Committee, the Oireachtas Committee, the, the, the one that sets this up. The, the one that COVID Michael committee? McNamara chairs. Oh, yeah, so there, there are full-time members. There would be uh, the... Uh, party, uh, yeah. the different party uh, health spokesperson. Yeah. So well, have well, what would be like great the, would be, I'll give you two names. Yeah. All right. Brad Borges, Gary Gray. Do you recognize either of those names? I don't, PJ. Sorry. You no. don't. I'll tell you who they are. Brad Borges is the ambassador to New Zealand, or the Irish, the, the New uh, Zealand okay. ambassador. Gray, Gray, Gray is the Australian. And the Australian guy. What about, and I know if you're not on the committee, but you know somebody who is, right? Can we not get those two men? invited before the committee and asked them how we might do it? Wouldn't that be a start? It can, and, and listen, even though I'm not on the COVID committee... Will you put in the request? Will you ring someone, Christopher, <laughs> and ask them, request, would, you, also, would, you invite, would you invite those two ambassadors into the committee and see what can happen? Absolutely, and I'm sure that invitation would uh, be welcomed with open arms because we do need to learn from these nations. We need to learn from what they've done in Australia. Australia probably potentially had more challenges uh, in doing it than New Zealand. But what's really interesting about the Australian model and how they've done it is that where there is an outbreak, and they have had small outbreaks, they essentially just lock down a region or an area. And when you think about the county-wide setup of Ireland, that of course that is eminently possible here as well, that we can do that. So there's there, there's lots of, of lessons that we can learn. Um, listen, I, I don't think we should rule it out. I know there's difficulties politically and with borders and with uh, connectivity to Europe and the UK. But where there's a will, there's a way. I think the time is right to do it. Okay. Christopher, thank you very much. 1850-715-996. Now, I think it's time we got a human story because ordinary people with extraordinary stories is is what we do uh, on this programme as much as is humanly possible. Have a listen. What I need people to do in a really selfish, selfish way is to adhere to the guidelines we've been given. I know it's hard and I know we've been doing it for a really, really long time. But we need to power through. If you don't know anyone who's had COVID, now you do. I had COVID. It is real. It is horrible. And I don't wish it on anyone. Strong words, ethnic heaven. Good morning. Hi, DJ. How are you doing? Uh, Good. How are you feeling, by the way? You've, You've been a bit under the weather again. Yeah, no, I was um, a bit under the weather now since the new year, but I'm really on the right side of things now. The last the last few days, I um, can honestly say that I'm feeling a million times better, so I'm definitely better on the mend. Good. Go back. Go back to the start. Now you're you're quite young. You're in your early thirties. Um, you'll be you'll be the kind of person that you know if you're to listen to what's going around the street, Ash or COVID won't do you a bit blind bit of harm. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did it start? I was right at the very beginning. So I actually started self-isolating on the 9th of March. So when I started self-isolating, it was more so a case that I had some of the symptoms. I didn't have all the symptoms. And 
I consulted my GP because I'm at the time I was in college in, in UCC. So I was concerned about going in to college. So I rang, I had a conversation. Um, he said, look, I, you know, we don't think it's COVID because at this stage it was only people who had come back from Italy. So I didn't even qualify to be tested. Um, so I, he said, but look, we don't want you to get COVID. So you're not well, stay home. So that's really how it started. Um, it started quite typically, extremely sore throat, really bad cough. I, I didn't get the temperature. I had a temperature maybe once or twice. But um, I started self-isolating, as I say, the 9th of March. Mm. I was tested about two weeks later and I got my results 18 days after that. 18 so, days? 18 days. It was right at the stage where things had gone berserk. You know, all the systems had crashed at that stage. So at that, so I had been self-isolating for over a month at that stage when I actually got the test to confirm that I had had COVID. And, and self-isolating, Ethna, in the sense that were you staying in the house or staying in the room? I stayed, well, 100% in the house. Um, We would say the majority of the time in my room, but I'm in a small three-bed, one-bathroom house, and I have, I like to say, you know, I have two kids and a husband, so you can't self-isolate. No, you can't. But you did the best you could, which is all anybody can do. Yeah. Yeah, but at that stage as well, they had said, well, everyone had been exposed to me obviously before I had been symptomatic anyway, so everyone stayed in, the kids were off school, um, my husband wasn't in work. Um, I was very fatigued. Fatigue was like one of the biggest things that was consistent throughout the first while, so um, I physically wasn't able to do much, so it was a challenge to go downstairs. Um, It sounds crazy, but... Towards the end of April, when I started having, I started having lots of kind of breathing problems. I would treat myself and go out and sit outside the back garden to do my nebulizer. <laughs> that was like, that was my little treat for the day. Um, but it did mean then that I'd have to go upstairs with help and have a two-hour nap. You needed help to get upstairs. Oh yeah, yeah. There was like, there was certainly like my husband would kind of walk behind me, like with his hand on on my back just give me that little bit of extra support. Okay. Wow. So it, like at the time, to be honest, I was so sick that the time actually went pretty quickly. Um, Did you ever come close to being admitted to hospital? I was admitted to hospital. Okay. So um, I think it was, again, my memory is kind of foggy and things are mixed up, but it was just after Easter. Um, a few days after Easter, I was admitted to hospital and again, I couldn't breathe. So my husband, well, they, I, I think it was my Can husband. Can I stop you there a second, Esther? Yeah. Because, and I, I, this is going to sound like an awful idiotic question, but bear with me because I'm, I'm trying yeah. to paint a picture with you. Yeah. When you say you couldn't breathe, people are used to having, to being, as they say, chesty. Yeah. And, and like you have a chest infection and yeah. going upstairs, you're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, out of breath. But you were worse than that. Yeah, so we rang the South Dock and like the South Dock was so good. We were kind of describing things over the phone and she went, do you know what, hang on. And she FaceTimed me. She wanted to see me. Mm. So literally turned around and she got me to breathe. She was getting me to like, count. And I couldn't count past four without being like out of breath. Wow. And the way I put it is that I couldn't, 
if you imagine like the, your lungs, I literally couldn't. It was like a tiny little bit at the top. That's how much I could feel right. before I had to grasp again. Right. And um, like obviously it was really scary. Um, yeah. An ambulance had to be called and everything like that. Luckily, this was kind of like after my kids had gone to bed and stuff like that. So it was just myself and my husband. Um, and then I was admitted into the COVID ward in CUH at that stage. Now, I was only there for two or three nights, um, but I was on oxygen. Um, yeah. What did they that. do to control it then? Is it oxygen, steroids, what? Yeah, so it was oxygen straight away, um, liquid antibiotics. They also were giving um, anti-clotting injections at that stage as well. Um, and I was then put on some other oral antibiotics as well, um, and then an inhaler. So the inhaler, I find, is actually a great way to kind of explain to people, like some people are, most people are familiar with an inhaler. You know, if you ever get sick, you're told to take like two puffs of, of an inhaler. Mm. But in the COVID ward, like most of us were on 10 puffs of an inhaler. Wow. You know, so like it is crazy when you think of it like that. I'm just that kind of dosage. This is just to force a breath into your body. Yes, literally, because it was a stage where you were like that when I was just trying to count, I was lying down in bed. I hadn't been, you know, you, you, like you said, even you would put it down to exertion, but at that stage, lying down in bed, lying still was hard to breathe. I spoke to someone previously, um, Esna, who described going to the toilet and said that her, her husband had to put a chair in the landing so that you yeah. can actually take a break on the way and a break back. Like, it's 30 feet. <laughs> well, that, my, ba- my, my bathroom is beside the bedroom, so I would go to the bathroom and then come back and have a rest, like a nap. Oh so that was pretty standard. And to be honest, the fatigue was the longest, took the longest to go away as well. How long did that uh, take to, to eliminate itself? Cause that, it was can... a good, that was five, five months, easily, five and a half months. My God. Um, but what I will say is that the HSC... Like to my my amazement, like and what I thought was really progressive of them, they did this virtual. They called it like a pulmonary rehab class, yeah. so yeah. like a Zoom class. Um, and there was me and five other post-COVID patients did a class every week, and they kind of built up like we were doing exercises and being able to build up our resistance and how long we could do them. And when I started doing that, that's when things turned around, like. The chest pain left, the breathlessness left, the fatigue left. It was, oh, it was just like I completely went back to normal. Yeah. It was really, really great. So by mid-September, I can say that I was back to pre-COVID. So there was no napping, there was no exhaustion at the end of the day. There That's wasn't a problem doing ex- or any of those things. So, and then That's six months. It was six months and it was long. Like I, I you know... I have arthritis, so I'm on immune suppressants. So it is more than likely why I got hit so hard with it. Um, but there's a lot of people out there who are on immune suppressants. And I think the kind of the false narrative that's out there or the real negative narrative that's out there is like, oh, well, you know, you should, this, it's expected, of course, that would happen to you. Of course, you'd be hit harder with it because you have a condition that's going to make that happen to you. And like, that's so defeating to those of us who are on these conditions, who have these conditions, who are on these medications, that doesn't make it, that's really insulting. That doesn't make it fair, you know? And that's why I put the video out because there had been, 
really insulting things put out online. And I, since the video has come out, I've had some really horrible things said to me, really insulting things said to me. From, by, then, by, by who? Oh, by internet trolls. And I shouldn't go down the rabbit hole, but sometimes you do. Well, tell you me know. about them. What kind of, because I, my, next, my next question... Oh, uh, the, 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 like there, there is obviously the, the non, the COVID, the, the people who believe COVID is not real, who believe it's a hoax. And then there's the people who say, well, you have an immune, you know, you have a bad immune system, you know, what do you expect? And people are very much victim blaming. And this is things like people like literally down to commenting on my weight saying, oh, well, you're fat. You know, and then I'm like, okay, but I was like, that really doesn't matter. I also have a very good friend who is, and I will admit, half my size. (laughs) I'm very jealous of her. I love her to bits, but she's half my size and she's incredibly healthy and she's vegetarian and she runs and she does all of these exercises. And she got COVID at the exact same time as me. And she hasn't recovered yet. What? She hasn't recovered yet. No, and she's using walking aids and different things like that. Get away. You know, and she is a million times healthier than me. Now, I would take it all if I could from her because like that, she's done everything right. But like, I have arthritis. I can't exactly help having arthritis then either. Esna, can I finish by asking you one question? And it kind of addresses um, something you've been saying there. I'm trying to lay the lie as best as I can to this, it's only the flu. Now, I've had doctors (laughs) and I've had consultants blow that one out of the water. As someone who's been there, what do you say to someone who says it's only the flu? Do you know what? I would literally give every single piece of money, every item I have to have it just be the flu. I've had the flu. I swear to God, if it could be just the flu, I would I would give everything to have it just be the flu. There's no comparison. I've done labor. I've done the flu. There's no comparison. You know, and that's what scares me is that I know that I'm out of the stage of immunity. I don't have antibodies. It scares the living daylights out of me to get COVID again. And I hate to think of the people who are, like I'm in a very privileged position because I have support, because I have family, because I have health insurance. And I'm scared for the people who aren't in my privileged position and the ones who go out there and think that they are completely immune of this and like it's not those individuals that are causing this big problem but they take risks that are really unnecessary and that's what breaks my heart to think of the people who are alone without health insurance without support who fall between the cracks because some person thought that they were invincible Esther I'm going to leave it there wish you well wish your friend well thank you so much I will indeed the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1857-15996 is the number to call the text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696 email opinion at 96fm.ie Twitter at opinionline96 and of course contact us through Facebook the Corks 96FM Facebook page but please uh, mark your message for the attention of the Opinion Line. If you missed anything in our first hour 
this morning. Remember, our podcast will be available at mid-afternoon. It goes up first on Twitter. We post the link as soon as it's ready, and then it goes to all the various platforms, including the Cork's 96FM app. And you can listen to it pretty much wherever you are. Anywhere you can get the app or anywhere you can get the website. That's later on. Um, we'll get the podcast up for you. Let's go back to the announcement made last night. Now, not quite an announcement, as in the Cabinet will make the formal announcement later today, but we do know uh, what is going to happen. And we were going through it with Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun there in the last hour. And on the Clare Bourne programme last night, um, Leo Bradkar Tonishta, who everyone seems to keep calling Taoiseach, Leo Bradkar said was going on about the extent of it. And it was being put to him about clamping down on the border and being put to him about mandatory quarantine and an all-island solution. And he was talking it down, pretty much ruling it out. It would not be fully effective, um, you know, because of the border. And it's not people flying into Belfast and coming down to Dublin. It's somebody flying into Belfast, going to their home in Newry, infecting two people there, one of whom is a cross-border worker. So it would be a bit like soup in a sieve. It would slow things down, but it wouldn't be fully effective. Um, The other thing, and we need to be frank with people about this, uh, if we did it, it would probably be for a year. Um, uh, I think once you make, once you do a very dramatic public health care measure like that, or public care, public health measure like that, it's hard to reverse. And I think we probably wouldn't reverse it until everyone was vaccinated, and then we'd be heading into the winter, and we wouldn't want to open up flights before Christmas. So you know, people who maybe would like to take a summer holiday in August, people who maybe would like to see the relatives this Christmas they haven't seen mm-hmm. um, next Christmas, um, that would probably be off the agenda. What is on the agenda is mandatory quarantine for anyone coming in from Brazil or South Africa, anybody coming in without a negative PCR test from anywhere else in the world. And that's pretty much it. Um, My next guest described it last night as trying to bail out a leaky boat with a sieve. Dr. Gabriel Scali, good morning. Good morning. Sieves are very popular, PJ. (laughs) And they just... Dr. Skelly, you've been posting over the last few days and indeed over the last week or so about the northern problem. Now, not only did you grow up and practice medicine in Belfast, you practiced public health medicine, our GP, on the border. So you understand it. Is the border... Are we underestimating or overestimating the problem of the border from a public health point of view? Well, from a public health point of view, (laughs) it isn't a problem at all. It's a political problem. Uh, The communities are very well integrated. And uh, all through this pandemic, there have been uh, suggestions that there there has been quite a bit of transmission of the virus back and forwards across the border. And at times in the Republic, the counties with the highest incidence uh, of the the virus have been in some of the border counties. So um, there is... The political boundary and the organisation, more the organisational boundary, I think, rather than the politics are interfering with it, uh, the organisation. But the organisational boundary is causing a problem because we're doing two different sets of things. Now, one of my frustrations is on the... that there hasn't been much for me to cheer about from a public health point of view all the way through this, apart from the arrival of the vaccines. That's a good one. But uh, on the 7th of April, the two administrations, the two jurisdictions signed a memorandum of understanding. And uh, the ministers of health, which, of course, was Simon Harris at that time and Robin Swan, who's still the minister of health in the north, were effusive. And, and, the, and the, the, the agreement was such a big step forward, they were telling everyone. 
And the, the, the words of the agreement are amazing. And, and they, it says, protection of the lives and welfare of everyone on the island is paramount. And no effort will be spared in that regard. And then I, I you know, I listened to Leo Varadkar, who, who um, you know, plays down the opportunities that we have to do more things and, and put more effort in. And he doesn't want the effort put in. Uh, well, he's wrong because we've suffered dreadfully from this disease, north and south, and deaths and, and disability. And we shouldn't forget the long COVID disability that's building up in our mm. communities. And uh, we, it is soluble, but it's the politicians are in the way. And by the way, all of the polling, north and south, yes. show a very substantial majority of people who want these further restrictions in place and want cooperation and, and want to get this virus getting it down and, and get, getting it down to near to zero and keeping it under control, but importantly also keeping it out. That's, uh, that, what I, that has public support and our politicians are lagging behind. Now, I don't know what is stopping them talking to each other. After all, you know, the DUP and Sinn Féin are in power uh, share power in the assembly in the north, and if they can, you know, if Sinn Féin and DUP can share power in, in, in Stormont, well, then anything's possible on the island if politicians want to make it happen. You've been talking in some of your videos of two men no no longer with us, but at one point in their lives were blood sworn enemies and died close friends, and that's Ian Indeed. Paisley and Martin McGuinness. Uh, well, that, you know that I think that exemplifies it. Um, Oh, I, I, know I get emotional even thinking about the peace process and what a wonderful thing it was. And it, and it solved uh, the troubles in Northern Ireland, put violence off the agenda anyway. And it's been a, an enormous, an enormous step forward. And the people we have to thank for that are a whole set of political statesmen and women, you know, who, who, who did the hard task of sitting around a table repeatedly, but sitting, sometimes sitting around these tables and never leaving the tables until they'd made progress. And there are more people, have far more people now have died from COVID-19 in this island that died in the whole of the troubles. And our politicians don't seem to be that bothered about getting around a table and sorting it out and, and making the sensible things that would, would completely change the dynamic of the virus in, in this island and, and save us an enormous extra amount of uh, uh, death and disability. Something that would all, would be a problem, though, even if we could organise something to do with the border, is listening very much to the noises coming from Arlene Foster, in that there is no way she wants to cut off, or any of her supporters want to cut themselves off from the mothership. So there's no way they're going to enforce mandatory quarantine for people coming into Aldergrove Airport. It's not going to happen. Well, they're very happy to have uh, the, the sort well, there is this self-isolation thing uh, that they're supposed to have, and, and various parts of the UK have uh, said that uh, people should isolate coming. Wales, for example, the Welsh government has been very strong uh, on it. Uh, but what we know is that this self-isolation is essentially voluntary, and it doesn't work. And what managed isolation does it means that it is controlled and it will work and it's a pretty simple thing and i can absolutely guarantee you uh because we've had some examples recently of um, animal health problems uh, where it's perfectly possible to put controls between britain and ireland between the two islands 
And, and the UK government is seriously discussing now mandatory quarantine. Mm. And I think possibly within the next day or two, they will announce mandatory quarantine for people coming from uh, Brazil and South Africa. That's a start. I, I, I think... Uh, it's very difficult to know where people come from because, of course, they can change planes anywhere around the world. Yeah. And uh, how would you know where someone had originated unless uh, unless they were telling you the truth and you were and you were interrogating them? Well, wouldn't but, there wouldn't their you know, flight details um, be, be traceable? As in, if well, you fly in from Paris, yeah, um, you know, you, there is a there is a, a trail bringing you back to I don't know Buenos Aires or whatever. Well, well, well. There might be if you were on the one integrated journey, but as you know, you could you could pick up a uh, you could pick up a flight to Amsterdam, get on the tra- direct train to Paris, Charles de Gaulle. Uh, so get on a train and skip all, get off it in Paris, Charles de Gaulle, and then get on a flight. Um, to Britain or to Ireland, mm. you know, uh, it's easy to do. I could say, and, and and of course, there are people, unfortunately, who will do that. And we know a lot of travellers uh, have been very uh, selfish and uh, haven't observed quarantine. And that, I mean, that's how these variants get <laughs> get around the world. Mm. It's people transport them. That's the only way they can travel. How much of a game changer would it be? And I was listening to an early morning news program before I came to work this morning. How much of a game changer would it be, Dr. Scally, if Boris Johnson was to go for mandatory quarantine across the UK, which, of course, would have to include the North, would it not? Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I, mean, I think it will. Ch- it'll change the dynamic once it isn't it isn't it ridiculous you know we're dependent on boris johnson mm-hmm. uh, in downing street to do the right thing before we in ireland can do the right thing uh, but i they may well get to that stage because honestly the situation in the uk is extraordinarily poor and they've a far worse handle on the virus um than in the republic uh, you know they really they don't do the contact tracing properly uh, they don't they don't have strong local public health teams i mean they could be stronger in, in the republic there should be more investment in the public health doctors and their teams but uh, it, but it's really really weak um and i i i think they will um but uh, and and we know from some of the things that are being said by other cabinet ministers that there have been several cabinet ministers who've been in favor of putting in uh, um a managed isolation uh, requirement for quite a long time uh, and we know, and uh, there will also, I think, be pressure coming from around Europe. Uh, Angela Merkel has completely changed her tone on on this, and is uh, busy, I understand, trying to uh, persuade the the, uh, the the states in Germany um, to adopt it and uh, introduce it. And uh, so, I think the ground is shifting mm. because of the mutants, these mutant variants that are popping up around the world, and uh, people who are doing. Uh, t- trying to tackle the virus from a public health perspective, which is you get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. You know, prevention's better than cure. Uh, far too many times we've waited until things got far too bad and then tried the cure. But uh, I, I, I think with these variants, I think people, uh, some people understand that the only thing you can do at this time is try your best to keep them out. And that's what the managed isolation is about. Yeah. We've now there is also a, a move toward people looking at 
New Zealand and Australia, talking to their friends and relatives in New Zealand and Australia and seeing the videos coming out. And when you when you talk like that, you say, oh, listen, it's working in Australia. You constantly get this, ah, apples and oranges. It's not the same. You couldn't do that here for this reason, that reason and the other. Yes. Could you oh, do I, it I, here? Oh, it, well, it's really interesting, PJ, because I, I, you know, I would talk about uh, the great job that uh, Jacinta Ardern's done in, in New Zealand or, or that the, the, the states in uh, Australia have, have done because they have a very default system. And, I, and then people say exactly what you said. Oh, they said, Australia's sure it's thousands of miles away from everywhere. Ah, it's a very low population density. Oh, it's all agricultural or, or whatever. Uh, you know. And one of the things I've learned is every island is different. So uh, I could quote uh, Taiwan, you know, if, if, if they don't like Australia and New Zealand, Taiwan. Taiwan has 23 million people on it, a very high population density, extremely modern, dynamic, uh, technologically driven um, country that has had a handful of deaths and ca- uh, cases uh, throughout the whole of this and has never had one lockdown, never had one lockdown. And that's because they put on the, the quarantine. Uh, you know, and there's nothing new to this principle of quarantine in Ireland. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in the history of public health. And one of the last acts of the Irish Parliament in 1800 was to pass a bill on quarantine. One of the last acts that they put through was a bill on quarantine. It, uh, quarantine has been a principle of stopping deadly disease coming to Ireland for centuries. And it is, it's, it's amazing that in the face of the worst pandemic this world has faced for over 100 years, we're not using this extraordinary valuable tool. Finally, Dr. Scally, and I know I'm stepping outside the, the public health remit for a moment, but I want to ask you a question about vaccines, if you wouldn't mind. We're hearing a lot about, first of all, a hold-up with AstraZeneca. Secondly, a question about whether it's any good for someone over the age of 65. And it was to be the game-changer because your GP could give it to you out of his own fridge. Is there yeah. a, a worrying hold-up with AstraZeneca? What do you know? Well, uh, vaccines are very much in, in the public health realm, and uh, I'm a great fan of the vaccines. And I'm, I, I've watched the vaccines coming through, and there have been questions about AstraZeneca, the way uh, they conducted their trials. But it, it has been through the most rigorous uh, inspection or, and, and uh, evaluation that you could imagine. Uh, the, the UK has approved AstraZeneca, and it's been a uh, approved by uh, not just the medicines regulatory agency in in the UK, which is a very very highly regarded, but also their joint committee on vaccination and immunisation, which is their, their their top advisory body. And I have absolute confidence in, in these people. If they say uh, it's it's good, it's good. And uh, you know, it does work. It's not as good as the Pfizer vaccine, but it does work. And I think with all of these vaccines, what uh, what they uh, will do is they will absolutely uh, change the profile of the individual response. Now, what we don't know is whether they'll sterilise people, i.e., I, um, you know, stop them trans- getting the virus and replicating the virus and transmitting the virus. We don't know whether it's a sterilising vaccine or not. And uh, for AstraZeneca, we don't think it is as effective as the Pfizer vaccine, but it's still up there and it's still going to be a great benefit. Not all vaccines are 
100% effective at all. Some are really quite ineffective, down around 60% maybe. Uh, and the AstraZeneca is definitely higher than that. So uh, me personally, I'll take the first vaccine that anyone brings near my arm. Uh, without, as long as it's been approved by the regulators, I'm for having it. All right, listen, we will talk again hopefully someday soon. Uh, Dr. Gabriel Scali, thank you. Thank you very much. Dr. Scali uh, is the President of the Epidemiology and Public Health Section of the Royal Society of Medicine, Chair of the Soil Association, which is another one of his interests, also uh, connected to the University of Bristol, but born and bred in Belfast, uh, 1850. So if he doesn't know the North and studied medicine up there and practiced medicine up there, if he doesn't know the situation in the North medically, who does? 1850-715-996. If there was foot and mouth north and south, what would they do? Thank you for that, Anne, because I'm only reminded last night, 2001, we locked down that northern border to keep foot and mouth out of the southern half of the country, or to try to at least. And we shut, we cancelled Cheltenham, we cancelled rugby, we pretty much cancelled our lives for weeks on end in 2001. I remember sitting here actually in this chair covering, as they say, for the incumbent at the time in the midst of that 2001 foot and mouth outbreak and everything was closed and to go to so much as go to the opera house, you had to walk over a mat, a sanitised mat the size of a small African nation just to get into the opera house and they locked up the border for something we can't get that only animals get. So don't tell me that you can't control the border for a disease that kills people. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. It's officially been voted the worst chat-up line of all time. I'll tell you after midday and give you 20 minutes of the best music mix on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Now, we've only had to look at your favourite YouTube video from Spain in the last while. There's a few of them I follow. Anywhere I go on holidays, I tend to find out YouTube videos to see how things are going there afterwards. I looked at one yesterday from the Benidorm area where I was a couple of years ago, and it's like a ghost town. And I looked at one from Tenerife where I was supposed to go last year, a ghost town, and Lanzarote's gone the same, and Everywhere is just like a ghost town in Spain because they are gone into a really harsh lockdown with curfews. Viv, buenos dias, how are you? Hi, PJ. Hello, how are you? Yeah, we have gone into it. We're in our, we're at the, they're saying we're at the, the peak of our, the third wave. <laughs> I'm not so sure, but we really are. We're absolutely in lockdown um, from uh, yesterday. Um, you can't. You can. The, the the bars and the and the and the supermarkets and all the businesses have to close at nine, and you can't be in the street after ten from ten p.m. until six in the morning. You, if you're in the street, you have to justify 
why you're there. Now, it might be for work or whatever, but for not just for pleasure. You have to be in your house. So, uh, mm. <laughs> not a great start to the year, I'm afraid. So, what what is open and what is closed? Because looking at one of the videos from Benidorm the last few weeks, and I also, the, a place in, in, in um, Lazenia where we used to go when I was in holidays there, they announced on their Facebook, everything shut down for two to three weeks. Everything. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, no, not everything. Obviously, obviously supermarkets um, and that kind of thing. But, you know, what's really surprising here, because, I, I mean, I'm listening to home as well and, and what's shut down. Hairdressers are open, you know, which I always think, is that essential? Yeah. But then they'll argue that it is for your well-being. It is. Um, uh, um, computer shops, there's probably, probably a lot of similarities between the two countries as well. But there are certain things open, um, all, the, all the bakeries, all the supermarkets, um, as I say, computer stores, for, for obviously about so many people working at home, computer repairs, and there's, there's a whole list of them. I can't remember now off the top of my head, but from 10 o'clock, I mean, <laughs> from 9 o'clock, it's a ghost town, and yeah. from 10, there's no traffic, it's nothing. It's really, really strange, yeah. and you know how the Spanish are about going out and socialising and, yeah. and being in the street. They will you. go out for ice cream at 11 o'clock at night. Problem at all, and when it's you know when it's thirty degrees in the summer. Right now, I'm looking out, and I could be back home because it's miserable and grey, and you wouldn't want to go out anyway. But we've had a really really rough start to the year. I mean, obviously you heard about Storm Filomena and the the two weeks when Madrid was under two foot of snow. I was think I was thinking of you. It was oh God. <laughs> Yeah. Wonderful. We and, and then we had a, a terrible gas explosion. There were several people killed in a in a building in Madrid. So it's been a mm. been a really really rocky rocky start. But our numbers are just oh dear God, they've, they've gone out of control. C- comparing so, comparing this time to the last serious surge yeah. in Spain, it's worse. It's worse. It's worse, and I, I mean, I, I keep going around. Is this lockdown working? Is it working? I, I mean, I know we need to do something. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thing, but absolutely knocked down. The only, the only difference, and I, I, I'm frightened to say it, is that the kids mercifully can go to school. Oh. But I'm, oh Jesus, I'm terrified that uh, tomorrow they're going to announce that's it, everybody home, and we'll be back to where we were. 
last March, you know. And you remember back to last March, it was absolutely locked down. The children couldn't go outside their doors. Yes. Not even for exercise. It was horrendous. I remember talking to you at the time when you said, like, we we don't quite get it. Like, if you have a small garden, it's a blessing. You cannot actually bring the kids in the street for a walk. And, 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 you know, you talk about, you know, what the long-term effects this will have on on all of us, but particularly our children. I remember after eight, seven, eight weeks in the reluctant, I took the two smallies out. And they were actually frightened. They were they were stepping out like, oh my God, what's this? You could see them very, very sort of nervous stepping out. Um, it didn't take long before they were off like a pair of cuckoos. But um, it's it's so strange. They were locked completely, completely locked down. Now that's fine if you have a garden, and many Irish Irish homes do. But here, as you know, a lot of the, the houses and flats are not very big. So trying to can you imagine trying to yeah. <laughs> to live. 24 hours a day mm. in 40 square metres or 50 square metres. Apartment you, living, five, six floors with just one communal garden. And that it, garden, I think, was closed, was it? It was closed. You couldn't go out. Absolutely couldn't go out. Um, um, I mean, I've heard of stories of people letting the children out to the communal area, just, I mean, literally outside the building, and other neighbours telephoning the police. Now, it seems very heavy-handed and, and quite shocking. Mm. I personally don't quite understand why it was so strict because I think um, fresh air and exercise it's vital for all of us um, mm-hmm. for all for our mental for our well-being you know um, but that's what the the the, the powers that be decided yeah. and what's the sense out there Viv what are people yeah, saying yeah it's a very good question um, uh, so the kids now are back after we, we did a two week delay with, with Storm Philomena uh, talking to some of the parents yesterday um, at the school People are just sick and tired of the whole damn thing because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I've personally, for, 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 for many, many months, I don't pay attention to the, to, to the media. I get the headlines and then I turn off the TV because you'd go crackers um, if you were just constantly listening because every, as you know, I suppose in Ireland it's the same. It's all the time. It's COVID, COVID, COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like it's suffocating. You need... <laughs> You need to switch off. Um, people are really, really tired. And there's the sense of, I think, even many of us who weren't so worried, you know, we were said, well, we'll carry on as normal. There's this fear of, yeah, but <laughs> when is this going to end? It just seems to be continuing, continuing. And it's, it's very, very hard. Also, the weather doesn't help. Um, and um, hopefully the, the sun will start shining again and maybe spirits will start to lift a Well, at least that's one thing you can guarantee in Madrid, to be fair. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Not I mean, so much I'm... mellow, but you can guarantee it in Madrid. <laughs> well, at the moment you wouldn't go out. You go out with, with a heavy coat on boots yeah. on. I mean, it, it's that kind of thing. I'm, I'm personally well trying just to look for the small things, you know, like something blossoming or something budding yeah. to give yeah. you that little lift because it's, it's, it's very tough. You Viv, know? I, I, think you're, tough. I think you're saying, and you're a regular on our show and we'd love to catch up with you, you, you are actually, I think, saying to people from Cork City and County who love Spain and love going there, please don't for don't. a while. Please don't, please don't. And I mean that with, with all good intention. Stay where you are, lads. Just stay where you are at the moment. Things are not good here. Um, our health, our, uh, we talk, I talk a lot about the health system, how wonderful it is. We're on the border of collapse here. Um, our, our cases are, our numbers are just absolutely through the roof. Um, and I, I just say, stay at home. <laughs> stay at home. Give it another 
three, four, five months and maybe then once the numbers start to come, you know, back under control, our systems, we just cannot cope right now. Um, I think we're on the border of collapse here, to be very honest. Um, and that I'm trying not to be too dramatic about it, but uh, 90, I think there was 98,000 cases at the weekend. That's new cases. Um, uh, 2.6 million people infected in the country, 56,000 dead. Uh, please stay at home. <laughs> we love to see you, but stay at home, guys. Um, that would be my message. There, and, and then you can't, if you came here, you can't really do much anyway. <laughs> mm. You'd be restricted. So um, as much as we need the tourism and as much as we need the, 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 the money and the finances, I would say it's really not rec- you know, recommended at the moment. Let, it, let another few months pass and All then right. perhaps you know, we'll be looking at, at better days. I hope. All right. Viv, stay safe. Thanks, PJ. Mind yourself. Take care. Cheers. 1850 Viv O'Keefe from Cork and living in Madrid for many, many years. Quickly to, to, to Kevin. Kev, you've been following us on, 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 on Twitter, the, the various discussions yeah. with regard to borders and this and that and the other. I think you're getting a bit tired of the border, the border, the border. I'm frustrated with the whole thing. Um, every ex- I've been listening to your show now for years and every expert you've had on talking about this will tell you this needs people to stay alive we've been playing games with lockdown for a year we have we we haven't had lockdown we've had uncomfortable annoyance Mm. and if we'd have done you could have done this at christmas on the 26th of december for six weeks so everything stops unless it's food based unless it's food and shelter stay at home for six weeks and the virus is gone. That's mm. the cold, hard facts of it. They could have done this. They know this. They've been told this by experts. And they've chose not to. And then to turn around and announce that we're staying in lockdown, so-called lockdown, until the 5th of March, on a TV show. Not even on a news bulletin. Not even on at a press conference. Nothing. Just announces, there, lads, we're just shutting down until the 5th of March. Get on with it. No details. No nothing. We've decided, or the second in charge has decided, and the first in charge can deal with the follow-up tomorrow morning going into the door. That's where we are. There's us and them, and there is, it seems like, a brick wall of common sense between the two because they're just not connected. There's no connection there now. In March and April, everyone was positive, and we were... You had singing in the balconies in Paris and mm. everyone was engaged with the lockdowns because we knew that there was, was a means to an end. But when you have experts telling you how to get to the end and then deciding not to listen and everyone banging that, you look at any poll. You ran a poll on your Twitter there yeah. over the weekend. Are you, would anyone come into the country, should they be on a 14-day mandatory quarantine? I think when I clicked yes, it was 92% of your mm. followers. Finish at 91. 91. Jesus, 9% are tick. So... No, I was only this, talking about Cork, Dublin and Shannon. But, I wasn't asking people about the North. I was saying Cork, Dublin and Shannon. If you come into Cork, Dublin and Shannon, straight into quarantine for the foreseeable. I know, but even you were saying there with the last guest, not uh, Viv, but the last expert you were talking to. Dr. Scanlon, yeah. What if we wait for Boris? Why do we have to wait for Boris? Yeah. Do you know, in all fairness... We can do this ourselves. We can, for one, we like being first to things. We, Ireland loves to be first. Why not be first to try it in Europe? What's the worst that can happen? 
The worst that can happen is in six weeks' time, the numbers are scantily low. Do you know? That's the worst that can happen. And can you imagine? You've talked to nurses, right? And doctors and porters. Can you imagine what it's been like for them 12 months in? Hell on earth. And, and they're knackered. My, my father is in America. His, his wife's a nurse in a hospital in Hartford, in Hartford. And they're just at the stage now where she was, she was telling me they're, they're cooked. And they've had to deal with the orange fella. You know, our staff here are exactly the same. They're cooked. You know, and how much, if they're cooked like that, what are they missing? Yeah. You know, I mean, I know for a fact when I, when I was working, if I was going into work tired, I was missing things. You go into work tired, you're not on your game. These people are doing 12 hour shifts, coming home, sleeping, going back and doing 12 hour shifts again. They're bound to miss stuff. They're banjos. If, I, if, I, if I miss something, you know, worst that can happen is if a car might fail an NCT. Mm. Mm. Yeah, okay. If a nurse misses something or a doctor misses something, it's a completely different yeah. ballgame. And we're not helping them, or our politicians aren't helping. We want to help them. We want to be led to help them. That's all we're asking for. Speaking of leadership, uh, I brought this up yesterday. He seems determined, Michal Martin seems determined in some way or other to go over to see Joe Biden on St. Patrick's Day. I have said, Kevin, if he does that, he's going to lose the dressing room for good. Would you agree with me? It's, yeah, uh, and you know what? It'd be, the one thing is, look, for the, for the year that's in it, we know we're safe as houses with Joe Biden, right? We don't need to be seen to be there. We really, really don't. For the, for the year that's in it, he's a fool. If he, oh. go, if he goes on that trip, politicians get grief going on those trips anyway. Do you know, even in a good time, it, when everything's hunky-dory, they get grief for going on these trips. Don't shoot yourself in the foot when you have only a year and a bit left to go. Do you know, and I mean, when his t- term is, is over, do you know, that's him done in politics. He can always go next year. <laughs> exactly. He's, but he's done in politics after this, after this stint as Taoiseach. He's had a long career in it. He doesn't need that. And he doesn't need the legacy. The last thing that he does going out the door, you're the fiend who went off to Washington. When you did, what do you do? I can't go to Lanzarote. What are you going to Washington for? For a jolly, with, for a photo op. Do you know? What are you doing? I do it on Skype and make a television make, program out of it. And make an announcement, make a big deal of it. Because the one thing this pandemic's proved more than anything, essential travel is a, is a thing of the past. You don't need to be travelling to Europe to, for business meetings. You don't need to be going here, there and everywhere, John, you know, for a date. You know, the amount of politicians who are business leaders who would hop to France for a business meeting and come back in the, after, the evening flight. You don't need to do that. You know, you're only wasting money. You're wasting, it's bad for the environment. And you're wasting time. Mm. A lot of things are going to change after this pandemic. When everything is done and dusted, and it will be done and dusted eventually, a lot of things are going to change. And the way we do things, from everything from designing schools and houses to the way business works, everything's going to change. <laughs> and we better get on board with that really quick. All right. Kevin, leave it there as always. Good to talk to you. Thanks very much. That's Kevin in, in, in North Cork. I, I'm honest to goodness, I, this idea, and I, now I, it may have changed. I may have missed it. Hey, I don't get everything. I, but the way I'm reading it, Michal Martin is still determined to go and see Joe Biden on St. Patrick's Day. And I'm saying it straight out, and I think a lot of people agree with me. Michal Martin 
One Corkman to another. Not even idiot on the radio to Taoiseach. One Corkman to another. If you do that, Michal, you've lost us. You can't do it. Do it on Skype. Make it a big deal out of doing it on Skype. But Michal, as one Corkman to another, stay away from the White House on St. Patrick's Day. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Cypress Avenue continues its winter song series this week with three great Irish acts taking to the stage to play live stream gigs from the Cork venue. Eve Bell can be found on the venue's social media platforms tonight with Outsider YP on Wednesday and Brian Deedee on Friday. Access all areas. Having kicked off the year featuring on a host of hot lists, rising Irish artist Moncrief is coming to Cork for his first headline show here in April. You can catch him when he plays Cypress Avenue on Saturday the 17th of April with tickets on sale now from the venue's website. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show coming up in 2021 or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on side. On Cork's 96 FM. Something I spotted in the newspaper this morning with regard to the monitoring of these travel restrictions. See where the mobile phone carrier 3, which has a huge chunk of the Irish market, they are now providing detail or data of the movement of its customers to the Department of Health and CSO so they can monitor compliance with their COVID-19 restrictions. Now, they're not giving any individuals information, but they're giving information regarding their their customers in general. <laughs> Mayo, apparently, is the county with the lowest level of compliance. Must ask Mr. KC what he thinks about that. Mayo, the lowest level of compliance. Less than half the population of Mayo have stayed within 10 kilometres of home. Dublin are the most likely to remain close to home. In general, about two-thirds of people are staying close to home. They're doing this from analysis of tracking data on your mobile phone. Do you know the one thing that, that I asked myself about this this morning is we can use this to track people going 10 kilometres from home when they shouldn't, but we can't somehow track sex offenders or other sorts of dangerous criminals using this information. That's a bit of a hole in the law. 1850 The property market, you think that the backside had fallen out of it uh, during all this pandemic because people, you would think, would you not, they wouldn't be buying or selling houses and they wouldn't be buying or selling apartments. But indeed they are. A cove-based, um, cove-based auctioneer, Joanna Murphy. Joanna, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. Thanks so much for having me on this De- morning. Delighted. You would think that, that the pandemic would have knocked the socks off property, but that's not the case. No, definitely last year, 2020, was a very good year. I think there was a stat there that Daft said there was 194 houses sold in Cove for 2020 as opposed to 205 in 2019. Wow. Can you get a bit closer um, to your phone, Joe, please? Oh, yeah. Joe, what I do not have to go? Yeah, we just, um, that's like well, 205 last year, 
205 in 2019 and 194 yesterday, that, that last yeah. year. That's only a drop of about 10 houses. Like that's Exactly. Um, I say the same thing is going to happen this year. Now, I know auctioneers we're not viewing at the moment and probably won't until construction gets back. But what will happen is that, and already I have a list of people waiting to view, that there will just be a pent-up demand. Supply will come in. I do, I do know it will come in, but it will be very busy for the rest of the year then. How come it's, it's not being affected by, by the pandemic? I think, number one, people have an option to have the, you know, the chance to save. I think the um, renters are getting set up a renting and paying €1,200 Euros a month on average when they can probably get a mortgage for 700 But obviously then you do have people who have to rent and then people who are renting are moving to a bigger place, maybe mm-hmm. with better broadband. And then you have people who want to buy, who need more space. They're going to work from home. That's a huge... Um, feature now at the moment. Yeah, I was just asking what kind of properties are popular. I would imagine that places where, okay, if you have a, a family that is suitable to a three-bedroom, uh, you might be looking for a four-bedroom because you need an office now. Yeah, yeah. And also, okay, they go from a three-bed to a four-bed, but also the size of the plot is important, that they could put a log cabin out in the back garden mm. to have a home, off, uh, have a, a home office. So, yeah, like I suppose there's, there's, you know, people starting off will go for the three-bedroom semis normally and then the people who are living in three-bedroom semis at the moment will upgrade and that's what happened last year. Yeah. What about prices? How are they looking? I don't, I think prices might go up a small bit, not a huge amount. Um, my predictions for, for 20, and I would think I was right in 2020, well I was, but for 21 I think what will happen is that the supply will come in, demand is there, property prices will either hold their own or go up a small bit. And the same for 22. Look, everything has a financial cycle. We mm. do have to get some kind of a hit in a couple of years' time. But when, I don't know. Yeah. What about people able to get mortgages, uh, the, the ability to access mortgages? It's good. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the amount of first-time buyers, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm working in Cove. The amount of first-time buyers actually came down from the city and up the country to purchase in Cove for the likes because they're getting value for money. And I'm sure in the city was phenomenal. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of moving around. But also, the one thing is I've noticed that people, because they can work remotely, it doesn't matter where they live. So yeah. they'll want to get the lifestyle right. They want to get the work-life balance right. And like, they'll move to the likes of West Cork. They'll move to Cove. They'll move to Kinsale. Yeah, they might come down from up the country and move down to Cork City. So that's fantastic. So that's why we're probably getting so much movement down here. Okay. All right. Listen, thanks very much. Good to talk to you. That's Joanna Murphy, uh, auctioneer based in Cove. That's a good stat for Cove, though, from last year. 194 houses sold in Cove last year. 210 or something the year previous. So that's certainly holding and holding solid. 1850-715-996. When you have your new house and it has a lovely, say, sunroom or a nice garden and the garden's facing the right way. The amount of people who have gotten interested in looking up at the sky over the last 12 months is phenomenal. Uh, Even myself noticing in the last while again the different positions of the moon and the different positions of the sun as they come into my back garden, into the back of my house, I'm fascinated. I always knew it was happening, I guess, but I'm not watching it as closely or observing it as closely as it happened and looking at the sky and the sun and the stars and the moon and just how much is going on there. People are becoming more and more fascinated by it, which I guess is is grist to the mill and great encouragement for people like Leo Enright, space correspondent. Leo, good morning. (laughs) Good morning. 
most of us are now looking at, I mean, even the simple thing, like the pattern of the sun and the moon across the back of your house, we're taking more notice of it than ever, aren't we? Yes, that's certainly true. And obviously that is partly because people can't really wander that much much farther from their house these days. Uh, And so, um, you know, we we are going back to the simple things. Our ancestors, uh, you know, even up to 80 years ago, would have been very familiar with the night sky because, of course, uh, there was no light pollution. Uh, The plague of all our lives now, it's very hard to see the stars at night because uh, of so many streetlights. But people have begun to notice, and that is very welcome. Yeah. You've been watching one project in particular for the last while is SpaceX Falcon. What's that, Leo? Can we see that yeah, from the this ground? Is, uh, this is very interesting. Oh, you certainly can, uh, indeed. And in fact, that's uh, in a way part of the problem. Um, SpaceX is the is the project of this extraordinary billionaire, Elon Musk. Uh, he made his money uh, building PayPal, uh, the the uh, money exchange online agency, mm. um, and he's ploughed that money like a lot of these uh, high tech uh, uh, internet billionaires. He's ploughing that money into the high frontier, into space, and he has been extraordinarily successful uh, with his SpaceX Falcon Nine, uh, which has become the most c- common rocket used now for launching satellites into space. And it's very busy up there. It has got very busy. I mean, even this weekend now, we saw uh, Musk, Musk's SpaceX uh, launching over 130 satellites at one go uh, into orbit around the Earth. Uh, now, th- that is a bit of a problem because um, it's, as people look up in the sky and become more aware of what is up there, um, they're going to become, I think, o- over time, a little bit annoyed with the intrusion of all these dots moving around in the sky, these artificial satellites, when in fact what people want to see is Jupiter and Mars yeah. and Venus and all those good things. But uh, these things are distracting now and they're causing big problems for astronomers. Yeah. And speaking of which, let's bring in a man you know well, Leo, say there for me, David Moore of Astronomy Ireland. Uh, I guess, David, the, 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 the new fascination of people looking at the sky, again, grist to the mill of the likes of your, yourself and, and Leo, you're actually starting to run a course, I think, now. Absolutely, yes. We've been running it for two decades now, I'd say. It's become by far the most popular beginner's class in astronomy in Ireland, but it was usually based in Dublin. We did run them in, in Cork for a while, but the numbers haven't been big enough since the big financial crash. And now they're running online. So everybody in the 32 counties, technically the whole world, can do the course. And the numbers have exploded. Even our membership has gone through the roof. The last 12 months, we've nearly doubled our membership after 30 years getting to this particular point. So as Leo said, people are really rushing back to their hobby. And the universe delivers itself to your backyard. And there's so much you can see just Mm. with the naked eye. And we'll be covering all that in the evening classes. And the other great thing about being online is you don't have to pay an individual fee per person. Just do one. The whole household can watch in then because we just want as many people to learn about the universe. And there's so much to see as possible. Even the simple fascination of sitting out the back or looking out the back and spending so much time in the house and realising the pattern of the sun and the pattern of the moon, that in itself 
is a fascinating thing to, to keep a, a, a note of. Yeah, and this is how the Irish invented space exploration over 5,000 years ago. The ancients were watching the skies. We know they figured out from a place like Newgrange how to predict the seasons, which was a huge discovery for them, enabled them to, you know, to build up stockpiles of food during the winter, for the odd harsh Irish winter that we'd get. And there's even evidence that they certainly watched the moon and they might have been able to figure out the moon cycle as well. So they were very clever people. So we were the first studying the sky for really serious purposes and even today there's so much to see with the naked eye right now mercury is making one of its best appearances of the year in the evening sky i saw it low on the horizon myself last night and the night before now where would i look i have a a south-facing back garden where would i look well you're in look in the southwest so people don't know where the southwest is just look where the sun goes down in fact as the twilight is dying away you've got the brightest patch of twilight where the sun went down just above that You'll see a star quite plain to the naked eye. You need to look directly at it because of the strong twilight. And that is the planet Mercury. It'll only be visible for the next few days, gone by the weekend. Very few people in the world have ever seen it, even though it is visible to the naked eye if you know where to look. We cover all this in the magazine every month. And, uh, you know, you'll join this elite club of way less than 1% of the Earth's population that ever seen it. And when it gets dark, look high up in the south. There's the planet Mars. Leo will tell you all about the three craft that are arriving at Mars next month. The pace of exploration of Mars is going to accelerate enormously. Bring on that one, Leo. That's amazing. I'm going out out now. I don't think I'll see much this evening, but the next clear evening this week, I'm going out to look for Mercury and Mars. But Leo, yeah, the the exploration is also fascinating, and there's an awful lot going on in in that realm as well. Oh, very much so, yes, indeed. As David said, um, we're, we're expecting three spacecraft uh, from planet Earth to arrive at planet Mars uh, next month. The Americans are, are planning to land a rover on the surface of Mars uh, on the 17th of February. Uh, that's going to be very, very exciting because it's the first of several missions involved in what's called the Mars Sample Return Project, uh, of which Europe is a, a major uh, part. Uh, we'll be sending another of the spacecraft to Mars in a few years' time to collect the rocks that will be collected uh, by the mission that's landing there next month. So Mars has become a real focus of international attention. The Chinese will be arriving in Mars orbit next month. Uh, and indeed, even the, uh, the Arab world has a spacecraft arriving there yeah. next month. It's fabulous, and people taking such an interest in it now. I guess you've both heard at this stage, Leo and David. The, the, we have you, you're both being rivaled at the moment by by a young man from Cork called, called Adam King. We've, King. we've actually made Adam an honorary member of Astronomy Ireland, so he's now getting Astronomy Ireland magazine. He's a fascinating character, and to hear him correcting Ryan Tuberty on how the countdown to a launch mission goes was classic. And Not Leo, to mention his virtual hugs. He's the future of young people getting fascinated by space, isn't he? Oh, yes, very much so. I'm glad you raised that. I mean, this is absolutely the point of all of this, Uh, the point of what David does uh, so wonderfully uh, with Astronomy Ireland, Uh, the point uh, of what uh, Blackrock Castle Observatory, the extraordinary team down there at Blackrock in Cork, um, Armagh Observatory, Dunsink, 
What, what this is all geared towards is opening up the minds of young people to start thinking about astronomy in space, not just because of what is up there, but because it helps them, it gives them the tools to think. They learn uh, about science, and science is the best inoculation we have uh, against people doing crazy things down here on Earth. All right. Thank you, Leo. I'm going to have to leave it there with you both for no reason other than time. I'd love to stay talking with you for ages, but I can't. David Moore from Astronomy Ireland and Leo Enright, space correspondent. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Some people giving out on the telephone about what I'm saying with regard to Michal Martin and St. Patrick's Day, which, by the way, is 50 days away from today is St. Patrick's Day. Um, It's not even been announced, says this call, that he's going to Washington for St. Patrick's Day. Fair enough, it was confirmed. The media should cover scandals and controversial decisions, but it's a bit too negative to be condemning a man before he's even announced it. And I'm not even a Fianna Fáil supporter. I'm not doing that. I am merely advising him as one Corkman to another and a Corkman that's known him for the bones of 30 years at this stage. It would be a silly thing to do. And if he's even thinking about it, to have another think. Mary says, Michal Martins, I'm open for even thinking about it. If he is thinking about it, he needs to have another think. Karen says, you just aired what the whole of Ireland is saying. If we can't travel, neither should Michal. Michal was saying at the weekend, he did an interview with Brendan O'Connor and he wasn't ruling it out. And he was talking about the tradition and anything he said so far is about keeping up the tradition and he'd like to be able to. Of course, he'd like to be able to do it. But what I'm saying is he needs to come out now and say, look, just for this year, because of the situation, we're not going to do it. We'll do it on Skype. Can you imagine the meal they could make out of it on CNN and on all the other channels, if the most regular meeting, and there is no world leader from a country our size, gets to meet the President of the United States pretty much every St. Patrick's Day or every national I'm just saying to me, Hall, one cork went to another. Do you know, if you're even thinking about it, think again. Do it on Skype. That's all. 1850 the number, the text to WhatsApp, 083 396 the email, opinion at 96fm.ie. If you have missed any part of the first two hours of our programme this morning, don't forget we'll have the podcast up for you mid-afternoon of the whole show. And if you're listening to us anywhere in the world where you listen online, we also have a two-hour a show that goes on between 3 and 5 a.m. It's the highlights of the uh, two hours of the day and a lot of people in their different time zones pick that up as their version of the opinion line and great to have you on board. 1850-715-996. There's a, I asked to mention the astronomy class that Astronomy Ireland are promoting. Now, it's important to tell you there's a fee for this, but apparently it's very high quality, a very high quality class uh, and they're conducting it online this year, obviously. Um, but there is a fee. Astronomy.ie forward slash class is where you'll find all the information. Astronomy.ie forward slash class. 1850 We've just put up a gorgeous photograph on our Twitter of a little baby seal in the middle of the road looking rather lost and rather confused and probably a little bit frightened. Edgar, you came across this little lad. Good morning to you. 
Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What were you doing? How did you come across him? Um, I was heading to work, and then, then I see him in there and middle of the road, and mm. he was very frightened. Looks like altogether like. What 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 do you work at? I'm fisherman. Okay. I went to, to my boat. Okay. In the morning. Okay. And what did you do when you saw him? How far how far was he from water? Um, he was around 100 metres off in water, like. Right. Okay. But were, oh, what was surprised to me, it was like, wall. He, he fell down, I think, and that's what confused him. Like, he doesn't know where to go back again because he couldn't see the water at all. Yeah. Now, he's a and very young seal. It looks like, yeah, because I can lift him. He was maybe 8 or 10 kgs weight, like. Yeah. Oh, what I did, I just, I have boxes in my van. I put a big box on top and put another box under, like, scoop together. Yeah. And then, and then, and put in my van and drive maybe a couple meters and it's a gap where I can go in the beach. Okay. Just releasing there. Okay. And he made his way back then to the water. Yeah. That, do they, do they bite? Of course. Were you worried he might he, bite you? I was, yeah, because he don't want let near him at all. He was making noises and... He was watching always where uh, just I went around and he was watching what I will do. Yeah. That's why I put box on top of him, like, because I heard if they bite, you can get some kind of sickness as well, like. So. Yeah, their bite is very, and they, they take a joint, they take a lump out of you as well. They're, oh, they're, yeah, their bite do. is very, I mean, you've, you've seen them with fish. Oh, I know <laughs> what they do with the fish. <laughs> so your fingers will go down faster than the fish? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I took my precautions, like, Good man. So I'm fine. Like he's fine as well. I don't want to hurt him as well. Like of course, of course. Yeah. Well, that was that was a that was a good. It was a lovely morning by the looks of it. The sun was coming up and whatever. It was half past seven in the morning. Like yeah, it's beautiful morning. Where, where and where did you take that picture? Where? Whereabouts? Yeah, where? What part of Cork? Uh, it's in Crookhaven. Ah, lovely. Yeah, beautiful nice part, place. Beautiful part quite nice place yeah. in there. You're still you're still able to. If you hadn't seen him, someone else might have rolled over him. He could have got lost, which is great. Great that you found him. You're still able to fish, are you, during the lockdown? Oh, no, I'm fishing. I'm fishing, yeah. Good man, good man. All right, listen, Edgar, good day's work. I'm sure he and his family are, are delighted that, oh, that, yeah, you, okay. that you helped out. And he's a cute little, a cute little lad. Uh, thanks okay. very much, Edgar. Thanks, PJ. Stay safe. Stay safe on the, on the, on the wave, on the ocean waves. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, he's a gorgeous little fella. But they'll bite you. They take the hand off you, like. So it was brave to go picking him up. If you've ever seen a seal bite, first of all, if you've ever seen what they do when they get a fish, gone. Like, put your hand in instead, gone. 1850-715-996. Lots of comments held over about stuff that we've been discussing during the morning um, on COVID and lockdown. Kevin, another Kevin, not Kevin who was on the air, supermarkets for food, pharmacy for health, that's it. Who else should be open? Well, DIY shops, really? Builder suppliers, really? Construction is closed. Furniture stores, really? Off licenses, really? Well, we've been just, we've been through that one. We've been through that one. Close the off licenses, you would cause more problems than you solve. That's what the experts say. Bakeries, other than essential bread, Jesus, close the country down completely to the end of June. Ooh. Bring in the army. It's only a few months. If we all stay at home, we flatten it. There are too many people out at the moment. Thanks, PJ.
Louise says, hi PJ, don't forget this five kilometre limit is only for exercise purposes. People are allowed to go further for essential reasons, such as the weekly shop or to look after a relative. That's true, Louise. Thank you for pointing that one out. Yes, you're five kilometres. If you need to go 10 kilometres or 10, 12 kilometres to do a decent weekly shop, yes, that, that is allowed. Obviously, a lot of people might be, in particularly in rural area, they might be six or seven miles or ten miles away from their nearest pharmacy, that's absolutely allowed. And yes, if you're looking after a relative, if you're in a bubble with a relative and you're looking after that person, uh, you obviously can travel to them. Thank you for that. Into all the faces of... Hang on, thank you, Yeah, Bobby says, all the faces in politics making decisions during this virus will lose their seats at the next general election. I believe people will want to start clean slate and a new voice an awful lot of first-time politicians in the next Doyle. And Owen says, Owen Kelly, um, anyone else think the media should just start discussing death numbers openly? There's 600 Irish, 688 Irish people either dead from or with COVID just this month alone. As cold as that figure is, it might get the deniers to finally shut up about it being a hoax. Well, Owen, sadly, my friend, it won't. But more focus on the death, the death numbers. Actually, in in my numbers that I do on a Monday and Friday, one of the reasons we don't mention deaths is because these are local numbers that we do. Um, I don't know, and I would love to know how I can find out how many people in Cork have died since this pandemic started. I've been looking for a way to find it, and so too has the executive research desk been looking for a way to find out just how many people in Cork City and County alone have died in this pandemic. I think it would probably frighten the living life of us. Oh, Simon Coveney, Minister for Foreign Affairs, has, I don't know where he said this or when he said this or to whom he said it, but just have the information here. He has also indicated that the trip to Washington, D.C. is on the cards. He was asked, will it go ahead? And he said, I think it will. Please, please, please get a script of sense, would you? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Takeover on Cork's 96FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire off. Takeover. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Story. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 0833 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Oh, don't dictate what anyone should or shouldn't do with their lives. Don't keep going on about it. Judge not and you will not be judged. It really is annoying listening to you this morning. Stop jumping on the bandwagon. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. That's what's wrong. 
in that nothing's right or wrong anymore. It's all living my own best life. Give us a break. 1850-715-996. Now, very serious uh, topic of conversation always uh, is the topic of eating disorders because so many people suffering with them, many of them suffering with them silently. We know nothing about them. And some of them are around us and we don't know. And some of them are people close to us and we don't know. And during the pandemic, there has been a surge in the number of people who have fallen off, fallen off the wagon, as it were, in keeping their eating disorder under control or indeed have been hospitalised during the lockdown because of their eating disorder flaring up in a matter in which they just cannot control it. It's a very serious thing. Maybe Barry Murphy can tell us more. He's communications officer for Bodywise, marvellous organisation. Barry, good morning. Good morning, PJ. It is getting very serious now. For some reason, lockdown and restriction has had a very major impact on people who struggle with an eating disorder. Why? Yeah, unfortunately, it has really just been this what you what you might call a, a perfect storm of of circumstances and situations that has just completely turned the world upside down for people affected by eating disorders. Just things within their life that they would have relied on, maybe support structures, formal or informal friendship networks, weren't there, and then all of the impact of the restrictions and you know not being able to to get out and all of that um, just has kind of completely pulled the rug from underneath them and heightened their anxiety very much as well. The people struggling most, I think, are young people and particularly teenagers. Certainly in the, in, if you look at what clinicians are saying on the front line, you know, this this is the same all over the world. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's not just Ireland, it's in the United States and it's in Australia in the UK um, it, people are presenting more sick unfortunately as well so they're at greater clinical risk when they uh, do come for help with eating disorders I suppose we don't know enough and at the moment around all of the age groups but certainly yes the, the increase is not really a surprise at all We used to joke Barry about the Covid stone that we all picked up during during lockdown and to some of us, it's just a bit of fun and whatever. But to many people, that can trigger uh, their their eating disorder going into going into overdrive, can't it? Yeah, and that that kind of hits on what we saw was kind of one of the big themes people were talking about when they got in touch last March and and all throughout this crisis is just on a shift in the environment and kind of the the public attitude towards, you know, fitness regimes, diet, self-improvement, all that kind of just, you know, it really kind of came to a head. I think last year there was a lot, a lot of it in the air, as it were, and that's that kind of, that does have a direct impact on people affected by eating disorders, certainly. So if we're worried, uh, moms, dads, loved ones, if we're worried about someone in our in our family, uh, what are the things to watch and how can we help if we see them? Yeah, so I think in, in fairness to parents, they're pretty good at they're picking up red flags and seeing something isn't right. Um, if, if, it's, if it's around the conversation side of things, I would say, you know, the first thing is to be informed because it's 
always best to go into a situation situation like this with some knowledge and information and not go into it blind. But you will see in an eating disorder some sort of shift in how a person relates to food, their weight and their body. You will probably see some element of very black and white thinking. You will probably see very much a personality change. How do you mean about black and white thinking now? What, what do you mean by that? So it's kind of very either or, very all or nothing thinking. Very it kind of thinking pattern becomes rigid and inflexible. Right. So there's a lack of flexibility, say, across really all their life. Um, you will see potentially in women and girls losing their periods, uh, damage to a person's teeth. Unfortunately, you can see maybe as well osteoporosis. Um, you know, damage to a person's heart. So the after effects of an eating disorder are very significant and, you know, pose significant risk to a person's health. You might also see things like over-exercising as well. You know, person just going out multiple times a week uh, to ex- exercise in a way that just, it doesn't really have a health focus. There's something else underneath it. That yeah. it you know, we talk about an idea of compulsion. That's certainly a big part of an eating disorder as well. Sometimes a parent or loved one will be afraid to ask a question for fear of making a situation worse than it is, or indeed uh, causing a rift. Mm. What's the approach there? Yeah, that is that is a very hard situation. So I suppose it's it's about bringing it down, not so much to what the person is doing as a behaviour, but asking how they are. You know, and just. Take your own time in in yourself to just observe kind of discreetly, maybe over a period of time, what are you noticing in the background or just throughout the household, what's going on with that person. And then it's about bringing up the conversation and saying, look, I've noticed you don't seem to be yourself lately. Is there something going on? So rather than, you know, going into this kind of should mode, Mm-hmm. kind of inverted commas um, because if it comes across that you're trying to police what they're doing then then you get into the denial kind of resistance side yeah. of things and that that's kind of when you know battle lines start to become drawn yeah and it's it's a hard conversation to have and particularly when we are all spending so much time together sometimes you'll look at, geez, will I just keep the peace now? I'm not going to draw trouble because we're, if, if there's a row in the house, there's a there's an atmosphere in the house and, and, you know, you might keep to yourself for that reason. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a very, I would say, certainly no family goes through this unscathed. Unfortunately, that's, that's, that's the reality we would hear very often as well. And, you know, talk to any parent who's been through this personally, and they would they would say the same, you know. It turns their turns the whole family situation upside down. Yeah. If anybody is listening and is worried about a loved one or worried about themselves, to whom can they reach out for help, Barry? Yeah, So they can certainly contact Alex at Bodywise.ie. That's our email service or helpline, which is zero one two one zero. Seven nine zero six, and certainly also then you know, in in part of the conversation, I think you know GP is a good for, first port of call. Maybe after you've had that that first 
conversation with the person, then it's time to start thinking about kind of, okay, we need to get some early intervention, medical support and assistance around this in order to, you know, recovery is possible, but it's a, it's a very slow and gradual process and people need a lot of support for that. And can it sometimes be the situation that a person just wants you to ask them? Do you know the way if you're yeah. if someone is drinking too much and you say, listen, I, I've noticed you're drinking a lot. Are you all right? They're waiting to be asked. Can can that sometimes gently asking a very carefully worded question? Listen, are you are you all right? I'm, you're exercising a lot. You're not eating properly. Are you okay? Is that helpful sometimes? I think it's again about that dialogue piece. You know, you definitely, I think there's something, you know, to be said for believing in, in dialogue and communication as a route forward mm. that even just, you know, the situation isn't going to change overnight, but it's about setting that kind of the tone of just letting them know you're there if there's something bothering them and, you know, the door is open and the channel of communication around that is really important. Okay. All right. Leave it there for now. Thank you very much. That's Barry Murphy. He's communications officer with BodyWise, which is spelt B-O-D-Y-W-H-Y-S. B-O-D-Y-W-H-Y-S. Their helpline number, if you need it or know someone who might, is 01 210 01-210-7906 or their email if you need help if you want to reach out on behalf of yourself or behalf of a loved one alex at bodywise.ie alex at bodywise.ie John Lennon my old pal I agree entirely with PJ who thought it out about this Washington trip no there's no guarantee John it hasn't been confirmed yet but Simon Coveney has given an indication, very clear indication, that it probably will go ahead in some shape or form. None of them should travel now just to show that we are all in it together, to show other countries Ireland is taking the outbreak seriously and responsibly and to allow the government to address developments as they arise at home. It's a fast-moving virus, as we have seen. Thanks, John. Oh, my goodness. Uh, My friend's brother was 43 He literally dropped dead, tested positive for COVID, sent steroids for breathing one evening, died of a massive heart attack the next morning. He was 43. You'll never know how this virus will affect you. The family are completely devastated. Rory says, PJ, Micheál Martin is head of state. And if he's invited to the White House by the newly elected US president... I think we as a nation should be supportive of that opportunity for Ireland. It's not like he's going on holiday. It's very different to the rest of us going off to Spain for a week. How often does he fly to Brussels? There's never any mention of that. So why get upset about Washington, D.C.? Valid point, Rory, if we weren't dealing with a global pandemic. It's the biggest opportunity in the Taoiseach's year to meet the incumbent US president, particularly someone like Joe Biden with this massive Irish connection. And we, we kind of know that, you know, he'll be a friend to this country. But no, not now. Do it on Zoom. Do it on Skype. Have a big virtual event. Organize a virtual meeting. It can be done. The whole world is meeting virtually. 
Not this time. This Saturday, and every Saturday, on 96fm.ie, Premier League Live, exclusively online and powered by TalkSport. You need the app for this, or indeed, you need our website, 96fm.ie. And this Saturday coming, Trevor's got Everton against Newcastle at 12.30, Man City against Sheffield United at 3, Arsenal versus Manchester United at 5.30, and Southampton against Aston Villa at 8 o'clock. A long day for the by Welsh. It's the Premier League Online with Now TV. Stream live Premier League action with Now TV, Sky Sports or Sky Sports Extra Pass. And listen every Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or indeed go to 96FM.ie. And remember, the app is where you also get to listen to our podcast of the Opinion Line every day, which we have ready for you and published by mid-afternoon. 1850-715-996. Joe says, we can't celebrate our own St. Patrick's Day now for a second year running. Why should the politicians go to America? If they do, is it one rule for us and another for them? Yeah, there is that. There is absolutely that. Actually, speaking of St. Patrick's Day, I was just looking. I mentioned that it's 50 days away. 50 days today to St. Patrick's Day, which is kind of why I decided to go along with the whole Michal Martin thing this morning. We don't know for sure just yet, but it's looking very much as if he at least wants to go. And Simon Coveney is after saying now that it looks like it will happen. Um, and that's, however it pans out, it pans out. But it's 50 days today to St. Patrick's Day, which, which reminds me that the end of Level 5, the end of lockdown, will be the 5th of March, so they're telling us. That's 38 days away. That's 12 days before St. Patrick's Day. Now, I am telling you this here and now at 20 to 12, or 20 to 12 on a Tuesday. If you think that everything will end lockdown-wise on the 5th of March, 12 days before St. Patrick's Day, you can forget it, like. Forget it. We'll get a bit of tweaking of it on the 5th of March, but they're not going to take a chance. They're not going to take any chances like they took before Christmas. So we're stuck with this, lads, until Patrick's Day at the earliest, I would imagine. 1850-715-996. And of course, as each week passes, the uncertainty continues for the education system. Schools, creches, which are still open, Primary schools, secondary schools, special needs classes, special needs units, special needs schools. The uncertainty continues, and it's just not fair on people. But Fiona Corcoran has been speaking with Evan O'Connell. He is a Leaving Cert student from Clorch de Cullum in Balancholic, and she's been asking him about the whole uncertainty of it all. With regards to the decision, what kind of a decision are you hoping they're going to make? You know, personally, I think the best way forward is an option. Uh, For a lot of students, I think uh, an option between an alternative, be that particular grades or otherwise, and an adapted leaving cert would be the best way forward. Uh, I think I personally believe that it's unfair to allow us to sit a leaving cert at this stage, having missed four months of school, which is like equated to a fifth of our entire leaving cert course. And for Minister Foley and the likes to, you know, be insistent on us sitting a traditional leaving cert when we haven't had a traditional two years of a leaving cert 
it's not fair, you know, it is at the end of the day. Uh, and I think I, I, I genuinely believe that the best way forward is an option between predicted grades or an alternative to that or a traditional leaving cert in the, in the sense that it's adapted uh, in significantly. Well, you say that you haven't had that traditional learning environment for the last couple of months. Like, what kind of an impact is that having on students? I think first and foremost, the mental health impact is huge absolutely massive from everyone that I'm talking to and you know myself personally my, my mental state is very fragile I can I can I can tell you that at the minute mm. you know it's it's the uncertainty it's it's the it's the pile of, pile of work that we do get outside of school uh from Google Classroom or you know teams or whatever it may be and it's keeping track on that and then while trying to maintain some sort of routine uh, the mental health impact on students is absolutely massive and I know that that's echoed across the country secondly I think the educational impact is so massive you know from where if we were to have no Covid you know hypothetically speaking we'd be more than finished a lot of our our leaving star courses but at this point we're not even nearly three quarters finished a, a lot of them and we should be, you know, and I think when you look at the mental health impact and the educational impact for government to turn around and say that it's still fair for us to sit a leaving cert, I really think that they're seeing through completely faded windows. Some people might say, OK, you're still doing the course at home and the teachers are sending you work and they're sending videos and they're doing the Zoom calls or whatever else. Um, but you mentioned there about like the mental health impacts and obviously when you're trying to study from home as well there's other factors with maybe family issues or lack of internet so like do you know asking students then to, to sit the traditional exam do you think then that it's not fair given that you've had to deal with all of these extra things i think that's why i think an option is you know best because you know some students will say that they thrive at home learning hmm. i can i can assure you that that's the minority but, you know, other students and the majority of students, I would believe, are going to say that they don't, don't thrive in home learning and they don't, they don't exist in the emergency situation of education, as we're being told, is what it is. You know, and I think that's why an option is probably the best way forward, because it gives those students who feel confident enough in their educational ability, having been outside of school for possibly six months, if not four as it stands, that they can sit a leaving cert to some extent and then the option of an alternative, be they predicted grades or be they another alternative, be it open access to third level or whatever. It gives them the kind of solace to know that they will be taken into account as well and that they will get a fair and inclusive approach to their third level education. Before we started this interview, we were talking about the predicted grades and I was asking you, would that be fair as well? Because you wouldn't have your exams from last year to go on and um, you're not sure what way the mocks are going to be but you were telling me that you have been doing continuous assessment this year so do you think that that's going to be enough to make the predicted grades a fair system this year? I think the predicted grade system if there's a predicted grade system in place I think it needs to be quite different to the predicted grade system that the class of 2020 had mm -hmm. uh, you know since we came back in September thankfully you know being in school for kind of four months we I think every every six-year student knows the story of you get a tests and tests and tests and tests and teachers did that with the, with the kind of not expectation but the doubt that we'd be in for a traditional leaving cert and I think you know overall I personally believe and I trust my teachers professional educational oversight and their ability as educators to make a call on on, on what I'd get in my leaving cert that's what I would feel like 
But I think it's important to understand as well that a lot of students mightn't feel that way. And that's why I think governments need to understand that it's an option that we're looking for. And I think it's the option between an alternative and an adapted leaving cert and an adapted leaving cert to a significant degree than what's already adapted. I think that's what a lot of students would be able to agree on, is the option between an alternative and an an adapted. What do you think of Minister Norma Foley's handling of the whole situation? I think personally, Minister Foley is, 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 isn't exactly handling the situation very, very well. You know, Minister Foley was a teacher in Kerry for years and, you know, I, I, I trust that she's, she's well versed in the education sectors. But do I believe as Minister for Education that she's handling this with the kind of professional oversight that she needs to be? No, I don't. I think that she's hard set on having a leaving cert. And I don't genuinely believe that she's listening to students. She says that she's engaging with educational partners uh, consistently, and that's the phrase that we hear at every briefing that Minister Foley is at. But in, 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 from what I've heard between the ISSCU and between other student partners, you know, I genuinely believe that she isn't. She might be attending, she might have a PA attending, but I don't think she's listening. And I think if Minister Foley would do anything for us and to do anything to help us at this stage, that she needs to not only engage with us, but she needs to listen to us and hear us. And you need uh, a definite decision. I mean, it's now the end of January and you still really don't know where you're standing in the whole thing. Exactly. You know, first and foremost, it's clarity what we need. We need to know whether to spend the next five months breaking our backs studying for a leaving cert mm. or whether we need to spend the next couple of weeks breaking our backs for our continuous assessments or whatever it may be. We just need to know what's happening. You know, you don't above even know if you're doing the mocks, do you? Yeah, exactly. Like we don't like I was supposed to start my mocks on Monday. And at this stage I don't think I'll be starting my mocks on Monday, to be quite honest with you. Mm. You know, don't get me wrong, I'd love to sit my mocks on Monday and I'd love to have some sort of normal normality back. But we don't know what's going to happen when we're going to be back to school, when we're going to sit our mocks, when we're going to be leaving start. We don't know any of this. And Minister Foley seems to think that it's grand we'll have a traditional leaving cert, but we don't actually know what the plan is, what the plan B is, what the alternative is, what the options are. That's that's really hitting hard on students at the moment, and I can definitely attest to that. I know that um, McBarry was saying, TD McBarry was saying that there will be um, a campaign on Twitter from tonight, is it, or from tomorrow morning. Tomorrow. Um, do you think that TDs coming out and saying things like that are going to help your case? I hope so. You know, Sinn Féin have have backed students on this and the Labour Party have backed this and saying that, you know, an alternative and an option is what Sinn Féin are calling for and the Labour Party are calling for a complete cancellation of the exams. And the one thing that I appreciate is the fact that, unlike Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Green Party, the likes of the opposition, Mick Barry, Richard Boyd Barrett, Breed Smith, Catherine Connolly, uh, Donna O'Leary, Mary Lou MacDonald, Ada Honoré-Dawn, they're listening to students, they're taking in what they are hearing, they're hearing students, but, and they're saying what we want, whereas the government aren't, you know? And I think that's something I'm, I'm really thankful for to those, those parties and those people. Do you think that this has been made all the more harder when you can't even really see your friends either? And you can't, I know you can chat to each other over Zoom calls or whatever, but like, you're not having that space that you can go to with your friends in like, you know, the yard, schoolyard or the classroom or you know, all gather together as a group and, and chat about it. Like, do you think that that's even adding to it? It makes it unbelievably hard. It, 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 it's, it's the complete isolation. And I know you can talk through Zoom or Snapchat or whatever you may use, but it's, 
it's extremely hard not being able to see your friends, not being able to see the people that, you know, you've been with for six years or however long you may be. And those people, you you know, you, you see every day. You see Monday to Friday, you talk every single day. And it's extremely, extremely hard not being able to see those people and, you know, speak to them confidently about how you feel and how you're getting on and, you know, chat it out and, you know, get that release and have a laugh or whatever it may be. And it's extremely, extremely hard not being able to see those people. And I can, I definitely think it's making a huge impact not being able to see your friends, not being able to see people like that on our education. And I think, you know, genuinely, I think that it wouldn't be fair to allow us to leave me certain. I know I've said that already, but I think that's the best way forward is for us to have an option between an alternative to the traditional Leaving Cert and then an adapted Leaving Certificate exam. Would you be in favour of having Leaving Certs coming back to school from next Monday? I'd be in favour of Leaving Certs coming back to school should a public health advice show that it's possible. Mm. But when we have 2,000 cases every single day and a new strain of the virus which is more infectious than you know previous strains and the movement to 60,000 pupils and their families, I genuinely believe that, you know, people might say that this is a cop but I genuinely believe that it won't be safe. And I think you're putting your family at risk, you're putting yourself at risk to go in and try and go to school, you know. I, I, so, though I would be in favour and I would jump into school as soon as possible, should it be safe, I genuinely don't believe that it's safe at this point in time. The thoughts of Evan O'Connell, Leaving Cert student from Clarsh Cullum in Ballincollig, speaking to our news reporter, senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran. Thank you for that, Fiona. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Just before we go today, joined by Bear Fall and her daughter Lauren and Bell Bear rather is appearing tonight on the Style Councillors, uh, which we've discussed this programme more than once. It's a fun show. It's one of the few of these reality type shows I can bear to watch without wanting to tear my eyes out and all that. But it's a good show. It's a good show. And Bear, uh, it was Lauren who nominated you for this. Morning to you. I, now they, Hi, tell me, they tell me that you're nervous. You've raised ten children. You shouldn't have a nerve left. <laughs> I know. You'd imagine I wouldn't, but I actually have. Yeah, I am very nervous for tonight, but I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. when was it done? Um, it was actually uh, filmed in September. Right, okay. We started film, filming it in September, so uh, it was great. It was great fun. It was, it was a bit nerve-wracking. It's something that I would never have dreamed I'd have done in a million years. Mm. But when you have a daughter, that kind of kicks into something you <laughs> you feel you have to do, it, you know. But yeah. I'm glad she did, because she kicked me out of my comfort zone, as they say. And it was, it was great fun. Why did you nominate like, your mum, Lauren? Um, I just felt that she needed a bit of a pick-me-up, PJ. Um, after losing her mum in January 2019, she just lost her sense of style and confidence. And I came across the link on Sofima's Instagram page that they were looking for applicants, but they were looking for 20-year-olds. And I said, oh, why not enter her? And I sent in an application form pretending to be my mum. And they <laughs> rang her within two days. And pretending. They loved her. <laughs> yeah, so they were... I think what attracted them to her was the fact that she's 10 kids and 12 grandkids, mm. I think, stood out to them. Yeah, but you pretended to be <laughs> Yeah, I did. I actually, well, what I did was I, I put her name forward and said that I was her daughter and 
everything else and they said that she had to fill in the application form herself so then I pretended to be her. When you found all this out, Burr, what yeah. was your reaction? Um, I couldn't believe it. I was, I was really scared. Like, you know, I, first of all, I thought it was a joke. <clears throat> and then when I realised it wasn't, you know, I said, look, I'll, I'll go for it. So I did, and as I said, I was really, really nervous, you know, every time the filming was going on, because you don't realise how much work goes into the show, even though it's only a half an hour long. There's really, really a lot of work goes into it. And the producers and the cameramen, they were all brilliant, every one of them, Suzanne and Eileen, the whole lot. And they're they're so good, like, to make a person, put a person at ease, you know? I think Eileen is a whole... She's, she's oh, a, she's I, a lo- guest I love character. her. I love her, and I love Suzanne. As I said, every single one of them. Now they're mm. really, really. They were so nice. Like, and it, I, it's something I would recommend any woman to do, really and truly. Now because it's fabulous. And look, if it gives somebody a laugh or a reason to smile, it's a good thing, isn't it? In mm, these strange times that we're in now, you know. So, Lauren was saying there, you got yourself kind of into a little bit of a rut when when your own mom died, as anyone would in 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 twenty nineteen. She she yeah. um, that was that must have been tough. You were very close, I think. Yeah, we were. We were, she she was she was brilliant. Like she loved her style as well, and she loved um, clothes shopping and everything. And um, she was diagnosed in November with Louis body dementia in November twenty eighteen. Right. And sadly, then she died in January 2019. Right. But it was like losing her twice. It's a, it's a, it's a terrible disease like dementia because you, you feel you lose the person twice, you know. Yeah. But she would have been now my, my shopping buddy as such. Mm-hmm. And she would tell me, like, if, if I tried something on, she'd either say, <laughs> she'd either say something. Her favourite phrase would be, if it was a compliment, it would be, um, it's easy to paint a good gaze. <laughs> and then, and then if she wasn't, yeah, I know she was gas. And then if she didn't kind of like what you had on, she wouldn't be long telling you that either. She she used to say, I, I, and I still don't know what it means. You're like a rat up in a turnip. Like <laughs> <laughs> a rat up in a turnip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she was funny. She was funny, and I miss her terribly. You know. Of course but do. look, she yeah. would have loved the show. Now she'd have, she'd have especially loved all the cameramen and everything. Like you know, so. Yeah. Lauren, you said your mum lost her style a little bit. What did you mean by that? She just she, like she always liked a bit of colour beforehand. If her and my nan were going shopping, and then when she lost lost my nan, she just went into wearing the runners and the black leggings and the oversized jumpers. Yeah. So. That's why me and my sisters just felt that she needed a bit of a pick-me-up. So that's why we said we'd, we'd apply for her. Well, we'll see it all tonight. Are you nervous about it? Very nervous, PJ, but I think I'd have a couple of glasses of wine. <laughs> do you know what? You could do worse, girl. What else, I know. What else have we got to do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, listen, Bert, I wish you well with tonight. And, and Lauren, uh, thanks for de- being such a demon as to pretend you were your mother to get her into this. <laughs> And, I'm dead right. Uh, listen, it sounds like it's going to be a good show. It's on tonight. Thank you very much, Bearfall and Lauren. It's on at 8.30 tonight. Uh, the Style Counselors. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. That's one great expression. You look like a rat on top of a turnip. There's probably more things like that that we've no idea what people were saying. Listen, I'll leave you this morning with a quick snatch of this. Uh, good friend Roy Buckley, double Grammy Award nominee last year. 
uh, has a new single out today, Devil Rose. This is fantastic. We'll play out on the lash of it. Good luck, Roy, with that. Programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Catch that podcast in the afternoon, and we'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Your heart is black as night Your serpent tongue tells lies But I have seen your devil So beneath your pretty disguise Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.